We're officially live. Episode number 61, back with Tom and Adam. And we got a lot to talk about. The one thing we are going to talk about today is UFOs. Got we to. have to talk about UFOs. Wow. We have to talk about What's UFOs. What's going on? A lot of crazy things going on. And there was a 60-minute done on UFOs this last week. Mm-hmm. Marco Rubio, yeah. he thinks it's the biggest crisis. So we got to address that part. Number two, okay. we got to address... Bill Gates and Melinda Gates' divorce is getting a little bit uh, interesting. Always a, a story every day. Yeah. I mean, there's something new. If he wanted to be in the media and the news every day, he's pulled it off. <laughs> he's definitely pulled it off. But there's a conversation about how much money they want to mm-hmm. leave behind. And this is the first time where during the divorce, you said Melinda Gates is bringing in a what? Well, she's bringing in estate lawyers yeah. and inheritance lawyers. For a divorce? Al- along with her divorce attorney. So and that's not common. Up. Not at all. No, very rare. So we're going to cover yeah. that. There's a story talking about during COVID, we didn't have enough sex. So Adam said that's his top story. We're going to talk about that for sure. <laughs> I think the A-Rod, world needs to know. I think we have to address it. A-Rod uh, and his friend uh, by the Timberwol- Timberwolves. And then we have another one that's talking about... Uh, Bezos, people, Bezos. tell us about this. So that's yeah. So you know, uh, so there was protests yesterday on Tax Day at Bezos's residences in New York City and Seattle, because these protesters, you know, want and these are actually millionaires, and we can get into this a little bit more. But they want the ultra rich to pay a higher share. So they were protesting at some of Bezos's houses yesterday. Millionaires protesting in front of a billionaire, saying he's not paying enough taxes. Exactly. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. That that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So this past weekend there was a UFC fight. I don't know if you there was UFC was a two sixty one two sixty one I believe it was right two sixty one. I think two sixty two. Two sixty two. And I'm sitting at the house and. Friends are calling me, telling me, you know, this Assyrian guy is, is fighting. And I said, uh, which Assyrian guy? So the main Assyrian guy, ben- Benil Daryush. Daryush is uh, in the Assyrian community. They respect Daryush a lot, but Daryush is a Persian name. So, hey, this guy's, uh, you know, he's been talking a lot about, uh, you know, you got to take a look at him. So I've never seen him fight. I've only seen the highlights. So then I see him fight. And he goes up against, can you pull up uh, uh, what he said at the end of the fight? I think he goes up against... Who's the guy he's going up against? It's a big fighter, 37-year-old who's not at the best. He was on a two-fight. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the co-main event, so it was a What's a his huge name? Dariush went up against. Uh, can somebody help me out here? Somebody if you're watching this, somebody has to know who it is. Who was he going up against? He was going up against. Bernie uh, Sanders. Not Bernie Sanders, but, but uh, Tony Ferguson. And Tony's a legendary fighter. The guy's a beast. If You've seen this guy fight before. The guy's a knockout artist, just a rock star. They fight. Mm-hmm. Assyrian Dariush wins, okay? Benil wins. At the end of the fight, Rogan's interviewing the guy. In the middle of the interview, what do you typically say? You know, I want to call out such and such. I want to go after this guy. I want to go after that guy. He says this at the end of his fight, after he wins. I want to dedicate this fight to all the people who've been hurt by Marxist ideologies. There are millions of you, and I know it. And... Uh, it's just a fight. I know it's not much, but I want you to know that I love you and I understand the pain. I don't completely understand, but I love you and I, I understand your pain. What? Can wow. you imagine you use your platform to talk about that? Yeah. Coming from an Assyrian who just won a fight, right. that's, I think it's a seven-match win streak or six-match yeah. win streak. Yeah, it's amazing he has faculties together at the end of that fight to do that. They, they, use, they know everybody's watching them. It's a forum for them yeah. to say what they want. You know, Joe Rogan's going, um... Book him for my next podcast. Sounds really interesting. You know what else he said? What's that? He called out Elon Musk. So he literally did this I kind of, maybe that. you can pull that I up too. So that. after he did the message about Marxism destroying the world and feeling mm-hmm. the pain of everybody that's under the influence of that, he he called out Elon Musk because the delivery of his wife's car is late. Late. And he's got a daughter on the way and yeah. he wants her protected. And Elon actually responded to that. So you can see these guys. Probably in the middle of the match, they're thinking, all right, 
I got to get this win so I can have this huge political Platform. message, yeah. thank the right people. Most of them are setting up their next fight. I guarantee on the next one, you're going to hear the words Jake Paul start creeping into the UFC. Well, you heard it again this time. That, that, that name is being dropped everywhere right. now. Even Cormier's like, Cormier said, you hear what they're saying? I don't even want to repeat what name they're saying, but they're saying yeah. the name that I know they're saying. Everybody was chatting Jake name. Paul. But yeah. I think it's going to start turning to a little bit more positive. I think they will eventually embrace Jake Paul and everything that he can bring to them. And I think some of those lower-level UFC fighters will be sanctioned to fight him by Dana White. Interesting. So I have a different perspective on this. Number one, I'm just going to start out and saying— my FYI, uh, Dana White, just to stop real quick. Up. D- Dana White just stopped the possibility of GSP— uh, 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 fighting uh, against De La Hoya. And De La Hoya upped the, the purse, saying, I'll give you another quarter million dollars if you're willing to fight me. Dana's like, no, that's not going to be happening. Because I think he's saving him for a big fight against Khabib. I think something Probably. very big is coming up with UFC, a fight. Very yeah. big. Versus boxers? De La Hoya? No, 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 no. I'm talking okay. purely UFC. I think, okay. I think Dana's up to something, and he's, he's about to launch to. a very he big fight. He can't let the boxers just take everything from him because, well, A, he runs the whole, you know, if it wasn't for him. I mean, my God, boxing would be dead. There'd be no UFC. But I think he could flip over if to boxing. If it weren't for who? Dana White. Dana White. And if he if it weren't for him, boxing would no, be dead? No, if it wasn't for Dana White, we'd have no combat sports Dana at all. Dana White's helped be- out boxing and UFC. How's he helped out boxing? Are you kidding me? What happened with the with the counter fight against Mayweather? What happens to a lot of these boxing fights? He's, did he arrange that? That was his he, deal? He, he yeah, didn't arrange that. But if he didn't create a platform where he promotes the way mm-hmm. he did to, to give birth to Conor McGregor, who goes from yeah. being on welfare to not being worth a few hundred million dollars to being one of the biggest box office fights. Hey, that, that credit goes to the promoter. big yeah. part of the credit goes right. to the promoter, and that's Dana White. I, I clearly, um, he's dominated with the UFC. I just didn't understand the, the how it carries over to boxing. You're saying a rising tide lifts all ships, I, and if I UFC's think, lifting, I, so is boxing? If you ask me... Yeah. I think he's helped because it's a rising, sh- you know, the whole rising, rising tide. tide lift all shit. But gotcha. I tell you, they're dominating right now. Yeah. There's no, I have, I have not ordered a fight in a long time. A mm-hmm. fight like meaning boxing. If yeah. I do, it had to be a big one. I don't order the boxing fights. Yeah. UFCs, it's gotcha. like a regular gotcha. thing. I think it's the, uh, the, as ridiculous as it sounds, I think it's, it's the Paul brothers that are actually making boxing relevant again. The sport since, of boxing, Since yes, Floyd retired. Yeah. What does that tell and, you, though? What does that tell that you? That there needs to be some 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 action on the boxing ring. Boxing. There needs to be a Don King coming in the mix like a Dana White to make boxing exciting again. Dana White is the face of UFC, yeah? Who's the face of boxing Good these luck days? finding a Dana White. Oscar De La Hoya tried to do it. Oscar's not Dana White. No. To be a promoter, mm-hmm. it's not everybody's job. I once interviewed Wayne D'Amelio, one of the greatest bodybuilding promoters of all time. This guy would show up on a camel. To, with, <laughs> he, he would bring a bodybuilder on a camel in a show just because he wanted to. He was a massive promoter. You can, every industry, every sport that ever did great, you will find a great promoter behind closed doors. WWE. Every single, McMahon, McMahon, every single game had a great promoter. Dana happens to be one of the best, if not the best of all time. So why can't they figure it out in boxing? Why? Corruption. It's been just a corrupt sport. Too political. They don't know how to promote it. Here's the other thing. I mean... Dana White is so powerful, so influential right now. He's the main reason, I think, that Endeavor, William Morris, was able to get their IPO. Because they, they brought in the private investors to totally bring the, yeah. the, the UFC into the fold. And that allowed them to go public after failing in 2019. And it's the most valuable commodity with, with Endeavor and William Morris. The stock started at 24. It's moving its way up. That thing's only getting bigger. But you know what? Jake Paul has started a dialogue that the box or that the UFC fighters are underpaid. 
and it's going to be a huge thorn in Dana White's side. Follow this. He went off on it the other night. He's like the champion for UFC fighters, saying you're the ones putting your life on the line, risking your health and your injuries, and you're not getting paid. You know that's pissing off Dana White big time. That's nothing new, though. That's been said for a long time. That's been that's been said about Dana for 15 years. But he's got a big bullhorn, and people are actually hearing it because Jake Paul's got a following. Yeah, I, th- I, I, by the way, I agree with you. I think there's things going on over there where where he's not paying the guys as much as they ought to. To him, his opinion is more from the place of. At least these guys were making nothing. Now they're making this. Right. They were they were coming off the streets, and they're not professional boxers. They're street fighters. Now they're making this, but I do think that can hurt him long term. I just I just think it's a story that he's been able to deflect for a very long time. Yes. Well, it's like you, you're believing the power of competition of UFC. Who's UFC's competitor? Bellator. Is it Bellator? It's not even close. Okay, I don't yeah, even, never even heard of them. That's my point. Is I've it, never ordered Bellator. So if so, if someone, if a Conor McGregor or Khabib or you pick a name, Cormier, whoever, he's like, I don't, I'm done with this shit. You're not paying me enough. Go ahead. I'm going to Bellator. Go. All right, good luck at Bellator, <laughs> yeah, buddy. I've never it. even heard of it. See what kind of a show so they that's put a pro- on. So that's yeah. the problem with competition is that, yeah, they might be paying their fighters less than market value, but the market creates the value. If there's no place to go. I'm with Dana White. It's the sport that is the number one. It's the the spectacle. It's the show. Jake Paul said one of the ring girls was actually paid more than one of the fighters on the last card. See, that's the kind of... She must have been hot, though. The thing with Jake Paul, the thing with Jake Paul is that he's a professional troll. Mm -hmm. Professional. He's a professional troll. He's even a better troll than his brother is. Logan's not a troll. He's not Jake is league, a troll. True. Yeah. Jake, I would say Jake is hero is probably probably Takashi Six Nine. Maybe if, Trump. If I were to tell you who Jake models his game after, it has to be Takashi Six Nine. Mm-hmm. Not even Trump. It has to be Takashi. He FaceTime with Trump. No, the other day. he did. I know. But what I'm trying to tell you with Takashi Six Nine, Trump was a billionaire trolling people. He yeah. was at the top trolling people. Takashi came from nowhere to be in. Everybody says, I can't mm-hmm. believe this guy's alive. This guy's alive. How is Takashi still alive going out there saying what he's saying, right? The other day, he posted something on Instagram saying, Here's a GoFundMe account for this guy. Go help him buy a little, you know, uh, lemon because he needs a card. He's a professional <laughs> and troll. And he literally looks like a troll. And, and Jake is duplicating yeah. what. Does that have. What are the long term consequences of being a freaking troll? Like short term, yeah, people. Wealth, you're in the news. You get rich. You're you're There's in the news. One. Okay, let me ask you this. Long term, you're going to be back. the most. Go back. Who are the biggest trolls, and how how did it turn out for them? How did it turn out? Well, for if them? it's Takashi Six Nine, you do a little time in jail. No, right? no, no. What I'm saying is, go back. Okay. Go back to the seventies, eighties. Trolls. So, for example, Morton Downey Jr. was one of the biggest trolls. Okay, okay Morton I don't Downey. Remember Jr. him? Oh, I do. Pull Smoked up. On the pull air. up his. Uh, okay, in the eighties yeah. and early nineties. I don't know what the exact year was. Morton Downey Jr. for 18 months took over Jerry, took over Montel Williams, okay. took over Oprah Winfrey, took over everybody. He was it. He would smoke cigarettes, get in people's faces, curse them out on national yeah. television, and he brought Ron Paul. He brought everybody on. Morton Downey Jr. Kai, can you pull that uh, up? Some, uh, someone that comes to mind is uh, uh, Charlie Sheen when, when his – Tiger Blood days of the early 2000s when he's... I think that's drugs, though. That's that's. Uh, well, okay, but he was trolling people, whether you're on drugs was, or not. I, I don't uh, this know. Guy? That's Morton Downey Jr. Is your point here, ultimately, it doesn't last long? I, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to find out with you. Uh, what, by the way, you know what happened to them? The challenge with trolls is the following. Here's the challenge with trolls. Yeah. Eventually, if you have nothing of substance to show for, the audience goes for the next troll. Trolls are seasonal. 
Mm-hmm. People leave you in a heartbeat if you have nothing new to troll. So, right. for example, if there's nothing new for Jake Paul to troll, what's going to happen? Now, if he can last it yeah. for five, ten years and produce a few hundred million followers, mm-hmm. he is a very relevant person at 35. Now he's got a family. He's got maybe living a different life. He may have a different the, opinion. The, the whole story with these trolls is if you win or not. Meaning, if Takashi Six Nine comes out and has a banger album and he's the number one on the charts and actually makes good music, all right, it's hard to argue against that. If Jake Paul actually goes four and zero, five and zero, ten and zero, but once his ass gets yeah. knocked well, out, he's you, irrelevant was, again. Was Tupac a troll? True. Sure. I was. wouldn't say he was a With troll. I think he was. I think he ruffled some feathers and he was just what, a straight gangster. Okay, so let's define what a troll is. What is a troll? I don't know what's what, an instigator. You know, again. what is a troll? I think there's two types of trolls. I think there's a troll that actually is, is kind of has some beef and that they're they're putting out there and they That's and Tupac. like Tupac. Okay. And then there's a Bone troll for in harmony. Oh, I mean, the best. We're but, not against rap. We're well, not we against, are against rappers, rappers. But he called out that pushing against the. I guess my point is you're pushing against the system. You have a point to make. You actually do have some substance, some value. Versus just Ice being Q. a shit talker, annoying troll, just for the point of being annoying. That's what I think Jake Paul is. You think Jake Paul is annoying is what you're saying. I think the, the, the stats show he's probably the most hated man in America well, right now. We can a, ask ask our audience what they what think. But then what you're saying is Jake Paul is an annoying troll. That's what yes, you're saying. But yes. he's still a troll. And once he gets his ass knocked out and loses, he'll fall off you the pedestal. Tell me, you tell me a troll in the history of trolls that didn't annoy somebody. That wasn't annoying well, that, to somebody. So Jake that's Paul part ha- of their DNA. But Jake Paul happens to be your annoying troll. Not mine. I don't, you, he obviously, tell he's the truth. America's By troll. his office, in his desk. <laughs> when, tell him, to, can I tell him the truth about uh, Adam's computer? <laughs> Here it is. When, okay, when Adam Next goes, to the notebook. When it goes, what do you call it? When the computer screen uh, uh, starts. Screensaver. Uh, screensaver. It's Jake yeah. Paul's picture he's got on. Oh. I don't understand why you yeah, do that to yourself. Yeah, I know. He wants to fight him. You know, Jake Paul has monetized his trolling. That's that's what he's been able to do in a big time I'll give way. him respect and, on and that. You, and you see, I disagree. I don't think he has to win his fights because he's smart enough to always pick a fight with the baddest dude on the block. So he's not trolling wimps. He's Who's always the going baddest dude on the block? Floyd Mayweather? Uh, Conor McGregor? But he hasn't fought these people. Yeah, but he's trolling them. He's instigating it. He's doing it right now. He's getting the attention. Plus, I will say this. The dude is influential. I'm not a huge fan, but I know the influence he has because I drove to his house probably eight times because Dash was a fan of him four or five years ago when he was cranking out videos. <laughs> and we, and we had to go to Dash West needs better role models, bro. we ran into him a few times. Dash needs better role models, Tom. I love figured that. It out. No, he did once I we figured out what he was all that. about. But. but I tell you, that history's had, history has had plenty of trolls. It's not. This is not a new playbook. Pablo Escobar, I just went to a website that says list of top 25 trolls. Pablo Escobar was on the list of trolls. He was a troll. Uh, let me see what else we got here on this list that I'm looking at. Uh, 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 countries have been trolled. Andy Warhol was a troll. Artists are trolls. King Jong-un is a, is a troll. Edgar Allan Poe. Machiavelli was a troll. UK's been a troll. Ben Franklin troll. There's a pen and teller for many different reasons. It's taking shot. Elon Musk is the biggest troll right now in the world. That's he's, true. He's deciding what happens to the crypto... I mean, look what's been happening to those guys. One minute, he sells. Okay, no, this is the greatest thing. We're going to get, you know, Elon Musk, you know, we're going to buy one and a half million, billion dollars of uh, uh, Bitcoin, right? Yep. Then they make nearly uh, half a billion dollars. It was a trillion dollars. No, it was a billion dollars. Then they made a half a billion dollars. And then he says, we're selling. We're no longer accepting Bitcoin. Then he says to CNBC yesterday, 
He says to CNBC yesterday, I never said we sold. We still have the Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin drops from whatever, 64,000 to 42, 43,000. Market's going crazy. Then it's complimenting Doge, saying I'm working with the technology. But he was on SNL the other day, basically trashing Doge and making fun of it. Single-handedly, yeah. he's influencing a trillion dollar, mm -hmm. trillion dollar product he's influencing. Think about yeah. the amount of influence he has. Think about the amount of influence this guy has. Well, did you see Peter Schiff's whole take on this? Do you think Peter Schiff's got a pretty good take on, on the financial system? I think Peter Schiff doesn't give crypto enough credit as he ought mm -hmm. to, and I think he's taking a different position on it. He does, Bill Maher does, uh, a lot of different people do. Many well, of them do. Buffett and also our friend Bill Gates, not exactly a what fan of What do all crypto? of them have in common? They old as shit. That's there you go. Not not as shit because shit shit is not that old. <laughs> no, I didn't say but shit. <laughs> he said old as shit. <laughs> they're, they're old as shit. Yeah, is what you said. Yeah, not uh, so. Uh, so shit. so the point is the point yeah. is sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, what does this kid know what he's talking about? Do you realize I'm 72 years old? You realize what I've done in my life and how yeah. many different investments we've done? But every once in a while, that kid could be the True. next you. You forgot you were 22 mm -hmm. and you went up against somebody. And you ended up being right, just like this kid may be right against you. It just so happens yeah. that the tables have turned. But the other thing, too, is these guys, the older people that have the Marie altering something. opinion, they like being rich. They're not opposed to making more money and yeah. maybe embracing something new. So maybe they're onto something, too. But you couldn't have two more divergent forces between the people that don't like it and the people that are behind it and are loyal to it and staying with it. And the crypto scene. Well, tell yeah. me if you agree with this. I'll read the Peter Schiff Go quote that I referenced. He says, if a single Elon Musk tweet can have so much influence over the price of Bitcoin, how can anyone seriously consider it money? How can Bitcoin be a safe haven asset if a one-word tweet from Elon puts it at risk? Stop. It should be clear by Stop. now that buying Bitcoin is gambling, Stop not investing. First and I all, took the tweet and I put a poll out to the audience. 70% agree. 30% saying no. Yeah, Chef's wrong. That's okay, fine. Just and, like and you say, but it's the audience. audience. You say yeah. that, right? You well, say, and this is an audience that typically agrees yeah, with Bitcoin, though. But it's your audience. But here, here, here's the thing to be thinking about with what mm -hmm. he just said right there. If, if a, Elon Musk can go out there and say something in Bitcoin and it m changes the market the way it does, it's not the currency. It's the individual. Meaning, if Trump went out there and said, go download Rumble and 50 million people download it, Oh my gosh, Rumble must be not real. If a, you know, Bernie Sanders goes up there and says, Amazon is ripping people off, you ought to mm -hmm. go protest, and 200,000 people show up to protest, oh my God, Amazon must be weak. No, it's called an influential person mm -hmm. with a lot of influence at the level of Elon. I don't know what his number is right now, 48 million followers, 45 million followers. Mm -hmm. Elon can say anything. He's going to get attention. It's very simple. A, a college professor with three PhDs and four masters who's got 2,200 followers can go tweet something and nobody even knows what he's <laughs> talking about, including his kids, right, are probably right. not following his tweet. Yeah. So that's called having influence. So yeah. if Peter's upset about having influence, you got to give the guy influence uh, credit. Now, what Elon is doing that concerns me is um, I... <laughs> I, I, I just don't know if the market, and I brought this up many times, I just don't know if the market's going to allow a guy to have that kind of power and that kind of influence long term. Yeah. I don't see that. You know, he's there's a double whammy with Elon, unlike most people, where he can do whatever he wants on social media, and he's got this huge following, and he just moves the markets. Yeah. And unbelievable. And then the media is just as 
much of fanboys as his followers. Everything he does immediately is brought out in every single media platform. Unlike a Donald Trump where, yes, he was covered in the media, but negatively, 100% negatively almost all the time. So here's the thing. He is a professional troll, Elon. So how much validity can we put into what he's saying? Because he might just be having fun because he's so rich effing with people. And knowing that he can wake up in the morning, do one tweet, and have the whole world react. Mm -hmm. This could be sport for him. Who knows, right? Yeah. That's why I don't put too much stock in what Elon Musk is saying about cryptocurrency yet. So you're, when he tweets something, you're not buying No, a, be, I'm not. Uh, because, you're not buying Doge when he because, says Doge because, to the moon? Although Doge I might jump in on because Mark Cuban's behind it and it's cheap. So just, might, Kai just put ten grand in on Doge. Kai, did you or he's being sarcastic? No? He's a believer. He is? It is what it is. I just I mean, want to make sure he was awake over there. Just you know, no, he's, he's on the he's, scene. He's paying attention. He's paying attention to the Dogecoin to see how it's doing right now. But so so going going back to this, if you're watching this, if you're watching this, I'm curious. Who do you think is the current modern day best troll in the world? Who do you think it is? I'm actually curious because I'm looking at some of the stuff. People are saying Jake, Jake, Jake. Musk, all these different names. Who do you think is the biggest troll we have in the marketplace today? Anyways, here's the story of Bitcoin, since we're already talking yeah. about Elon Musk. Page four. Bitcoin exposed stocks slide alongside the cryptocurrency as Elon Musk once again wrecks havoc, wreaks havoc with a tweet. This is a CNBC story. Companies exposed to Bitcoin slid on Monday in the wake of cryptocurrency, plunging to its lowest level since February after Elon Musk suggested Tesla might have sold its holdings over the weekend, Bitcoin tumbled to $42,000 on Monday, several hours after Musk replied indeed to a Twitter post saying Bitcoiners are going to slap themselves next quarter when they find out Tesla dumped the rest of the Bitcoin holdings. Indeed, the price of cryptocurrency climbed somewhat when the billionaire clarified that Tesla still holds its stake. Elon, Musk may, uh, uh, Elon Musk's May 13 reversal on allowing Tesla to accept Bitcoin as a payment shockwaves, Musk's Twitter announcement says Tesla has suspended vehicles purchasing using Bitcoin. Just came three months after the company invested billions in the crypto, except it's uh, as a payment for its electric cars. But, you know, again, for me, if he's sitting there doing this, this is manipulation. You can't do that. You can tell your opinion. You can you can say your opinion about what you think Doge is, what you think uh, uh, Bitcoin is, but to say. Bitcoiners slap themselves next quarter when they find that Tesla dumped the rest of the Bitcoin holdings. You say indeed. What does that mean? You know, I do feel like everybody is a pawn underneath. And it's yeah. a game. I really think it's a game to Elon. I do. He loved going on Saturday Night Live to tweet people for this exact same reason. Do you think the government's going to let him do that? No, do you think SEC is going to allow him to so. do that long term? I, I think they're going to crack down on I him eventually. So well. Look at the numbers. Bitcoin at 43K down from a high of 65K yeah. in mid-April. Mm -hmm. Dogecoin 48 cents down from 75 cents. Even... Um, Coinbase, right? Yep. They, they've plummeted since their They're IPO, now below down 30%. Two, yeah. I'm leery of the people that are so outspoken and so adamant and passionate about it. Mark Cuban, Elon, Robert Kiyosaki, some of these people, because they're very high profile. How much are they protecting their own brand? And doing it for to go credibility. Up it? Yeah, because they can't afford to look stupid. Well, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. Here, here's a challenge they're facing as well. You ready? Say you got $10 million of gold. Say you got $5 million of gold. Say you got a $1 million of gold. Say you got $50 million of gold. Mm -hmm. If you do, are you really going to pump up Bitcoin against uh, gold and in your investments? I don't know about that. Schiff is a gold standard guy. You know, uh, uh, Kiyosaki is a gold guy. Yeah. Okay. Silver. Yeah, silver. And you, even uh, uh, Buffett. Buffett's not a Bitcoin guy. Buffett's more, you know, really? silver. You know, he's got a little bit of value investing. Yeah. So, gold. so. 
the, the point I'm trying to make to you is yeah. there's a part of it also where people are telling you, like, for example, I own a Zion Williamson card. Probably the best card he has, I own one of them. There's five of them. I have one of them, okay? This is probably a million-dollar card, okay? What do you think I'm rooting for when I watch uh, Zion play? You right. think I'm not sitting there saying, I hope this, scores, this guy scores 56 points, goes to the playoffs, that's right. something. I hate to make it to the playoffs, thumb, injured, all this yeah. stuff. I'm telling you publicly, yeah. I am supporting Zion to have a killer career because I'm banking on it. That's my motive. I feel Zion yeah. could be a player. So the investors, the people out there have to know when somebody makes an opinion about something, go a little bit lower and find out where they're invested in and then find out when a guy gets up there and says, this is the greatest time to buy real estate. Who says that? A guy yeah, that owns a lot of real yeah, estate. Exactly. When a guy says, don't worry Stay in the market. It's going to be all right. Don't sell. Stay. Good times are coming. Who's saying that? Some, yeah. exactly. So you have to also sit there. When somebody gives you the feedback, you have to go to a platform where there's differing opinions and see the debate going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, people are typically going to give you what they think is the, you know, what their main mm-hmm. capital is in. So anyways, that's why when you think Schiff and some of these guys, there's a, there's a motive behind it. One, one thing By the that, way, nothing negative. It's just yeah. it is how we are. One thing, uh, look, <laughs> the, everything with crypto, Bitcoin, mm-hmm. Dogecoin, Coinbase has come to a screeching halt and has gone down significantly since Elon's uh, SNL appearance. He came on there, and since the opening monologue, when his mom showed up on Mother's Day, and he's like, I got you something for Mother's Day, Mom. She goes, please tell me it's not Dogecoin. He goes, it's Dogecoin. Yeah. And then went on and on and on and basically called it a, essentially a, a scheme, not, not a scam, a scheme. Side and hustle. Sa- a hustle. He's yeah. like, oh, it's a hustle. Michael Che asked him. Yeah, it's a hustle. That's comforting, yeah. right? And, I mean, for well, the guy that's that influential to just joke about it. Follow the money. Look where it's gone. Um, so ever since his appearance, uh, it has gone down. So something that's also come to the forefront, which I actually appreciate, is like th- things are coming out there. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything, the negative, the positive. Something that doesn't necessarily coalesce with his whole views on life and his business is the amount of energy that it takes to mine Bitcoin. That's like the one big thing that's coming out there. It's like, yeah, it's digital currency, yeah. and it's built on the blockchain, that's a good point. and all these good things about it, but it's like, yeah, do you realize how much energy it takes? It takes, I, I showed you the Bill yeah. Maher clip. Can you pull that up, by the yeah, way? The, I mean, the, how much energy it yeah. takes to mine uh, It's Bitcoin. crazy. Bill Maher, who is obviously not a fan of crypto, he came out against it, draws line in the sand, and basically said, this takes a shitload of energy. So you can't be pro-environment and pro-Bitcoin all in the same uh, uniformity right there because it's sort of, it's an oxymoron yeah. because it takes so much energy, yet, you know, you if you're pro-environment and, you know, Green New Deal and you're also cryptoed out, it doesn't uh, add up. So here, I don't yeah, know Yeah, you this. can't be more contradictory than to have a car company, <laughs> right, to get away from right. fossil fuels, and then you're all in this other thing. That's why I think he's effing with everybody. I really do. I think this is sport for him. What does he have to lose? He's worth $180 billion. This is fun. How else is he going to get any fun? <laughs> he can't go anywhere. He can't do anything. He goes anywhere. He gets mobbed, right? I think this is his sport. This well, is so, his Something to keep in mind about Elon Musk is if you go back pre-pandemic, even during like a year ago from now, do you know his net worth a year ago? Probably under a hundred. Oh, dude, it was 40? like it was like forty billion, and now he's at over a hundred and thirty billion. Where's he now? I don't know his exact net worth, but to go there's a that's a different he's level. He's number four now. He dropped okay. to number four. But the point is to go from 30, 40 billion to a hundred and thirty. Like the guy's 
added a hundred. What, what are you saying though? What's your point with that, that? Don't you think your perspective and and your maybe your God complex will change a little bit when you have another hundred billion to your net worth? Don't you think things might change just a little from your perspective? I I, I don't uh, I don't disagree. I think there could be something happening there. You know, the other day I was tweeting about how much it costs to uh, uh, make a penny. It's two point two cents to make a penny, right? I don't know if you know that said it costs two point two cents to make two one cent two point oh six cents to make a penny. Makes no sense. It costs uh, the Federal Reserve five and a half cents to produce every dollar bill. Five and a half cents to produce every dollar bill. And okay. here's the kicker: How many hands does a dollar bill or a five dollar bill exchange in a year? Let me say that one more time. Mm. How many hands? What do you think the $5 number is? $5 bill, 1000 a, a, a dollar or a $5 bill? I'm actually curious to know what the viewers will say. How many hands do you think a dollar bill or a $5 in a year. bill? Put in me, a year. Put me down for 1000 You think a 1,000 people will touch the dollar bill or a $5 bill? What do you think the number is? 5000 It's actually a really interesting number. It's one-tenth. 110? 110 people. Huh. It's, okay. it's, I was way up. Well, maybe your dollar bill went to too many strip yeah. clubs, so they changed way too many hands. <laughs> but, There's a lot but, of strip clubs. There's other body parts that that touch too, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But the, but the, so I'm I, usually the rated R guy. you got uh, two PG-13 guys going so, at it. I like so, it. So I have Richard, uh, who they keep telling me that i got to get this guy on, our heart, who responds and says, do you know it costs $40,000 to mine a Bitcoin? I don't oh. know if it's true or not. He says, it can you type in? How much does it cost to mine a Bitcoin? Hmm. He says $40,000 to mine a Bitcoin. If, a it, if it costs $40,000 to mine a Bitcoin, are you kidding me? Okay. Like, so some it's of the not sustainable. It's not no. sustainable long term. Can I make term. one more yeah. point about Elon? You know, we lump him into this category with the one-dimensional nerds, billionaires, the guys that have created something and that they're hyper-focused on yeah. technology or building a company like that. In my opinion, I think Elon is 65% business genius, 35% entertainer. I really do. He's his wife is or his mom was a supermodel, you know, on the cover of Vogue. You know, I think he is an entertainer almost as much as he is a business tycoon, a tech genius, etc. So some of this is sport for him. He gets more amusement out of this than anybody else with a high net worth. So I just find a Forbes article, Kai. I don't know if you're looking at the Forbes article. I put okay, right there. Go right there. It says uh, pull up and press Control Plus to make it bigger so the audience can see it. And can we flip on the camera so the audience can see it as well? Okay, if you go there and take a look, it says, in early 2020, researchers predicted the cost to mine Bitcoin will be around, can you get rid of that? Okay, will be around $12,000 to $15,000 after the block reward halving in May, which it half, like split, yeah. split. But it is now much cheaper to mine Bitcoin, BTC, than the initial estimates. The low breakdown price to mine Bitcoin may leave its vulnerable to correction. Uh, go, go a little lower. I saw five to $6,000. Go a little lower, see what else we have on the bottom. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, so so I, you know, again, 12 to 50, right there. We can remember miners based in China said that the breakdown, break even cost to mine Bitcoin hovers around five to six thousand dollars. The break even costs around five to six thousand dollars. Considering the cost to mine Bitcoin for the big mining centers, individuals miners can range five to eight thousand dollars. Miners have more incentive to sell to cover operational costs rather than to hold on to the BTC they mine. So five to five to eighty five hundred dollars to mine Bitcoin. Here's the kicker. He said 40000 right? Let's say he's right. It used to be 40000 to mine a Bitcoin. Then it went down to 12000 12 to $15,000. Then it goes to five to $85,000. I think they're going to find cheaper ways to mine Bitcoin long term. Regardless of it, that's pretty expensive to mine a Bitcoin. What do you think about that? 
I'm going to ask a question that I, I assume half our audience is thinking. How the hell do you mine a Bitcoin? I get it. It's not mining like a gold digger. Yeah. You're figuring out com- computer algorithms. Where'd you go with that? The gold digger comment? Where are we going with that? It's all <laughs> I was going to go somewhere. The stripper I, stuff. I the gold diggers. I came back. No, no. Take it out there. But the, the one thing that I actually appreciate, and if you guys haven't seen Bill Maher's take on cryptocurrency, it's actually a pretty impressive one, whether you agree with him or don't disagree. Actually, he goes... I've read articles about about crypto. I've done research on Bitcoin, and I don't understand it, and neither do you, and especially when it comes to mining. So unless you're living this kind of life, like my buddy Adrian lives in this world, and yeah. I'm, I'm like, how the Bebop's doing, and the Bitty Bobs, and the Bitcoins, and the Bitty Boos, people don't understand this. I, I know many people who have jumped in on the crypto craze and have no clue what they're doing. Of, I, by the way, I don't think you're wrong. I think a lot of people would agree with you. I think a lot of people are clueless and they're acting like they know and they simply have no clue what's going on. Yeah. A lot of people are going to look like idiots that are self-proclaimed experts on this right now and are so loud and so adamant about it because there's a good chance that this whole world changes in a few months when it comes to crypto. You you underestimate the power of idiots looking like geniuses. <laughs> I mean, you you, yeah, you, you, you have to realize there's a lot of idiots in the world that stuck around and they were patient, banking on what's going to happen long term. And next thing you know, they're living in that yeah. $10 million home, driving a nice car and $15 million in a bank, and you're asking them, how'd you make your money? I simply went into Doge. I went into yeah. crypto. I went into Bitcoin. I went right. to Ethereum. There are people like that out there. There's something that's got to be said, though, about putting in actual work. There's a lot of Bitcoin millionaires out there who, you know, kudos to them. I'm not talking shit that weren't working that hard and, you know, heard, you know they were dealing stuff on the dark web and in the black markets and they heard about this and they kind of lucked out yeah. with where Bitcoin goes. At the end of the day, I think a lot of people just don't want to work that hard and they want to get crypto rich. And I think that's going to be very ugly for a lot of people who just want to get rich quick and don't want to put in the work. Well, you got crypto rich. No. <laughs> well, you're laughing. That is not how I Wait, got rich. No, 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 no. No, that's not how you got rich. I'm not saying that. But you experienced a moment of crypto yes. rich in the last yeah. 90 days. Yeah, I did. Kind of an interesting thing yeah, to look at then, your account and your account yeah. say how much? A lot. It's, a, it's a good amount of money, yeah. right? That you're millions, talking, millions, right? Yeah. And it's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, now I owe money somehow. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to go mine it himself. I just had five million dollars in crypto. Yeah, them at and now I owe two hundred. All I hear in the back is all our computers are on, and you hear mining. It's mining. Yeah, you walk into the office. offices. It's, it's, but it's that's a, my point. Is buildings, I, electricity came down. We're getting complaints. I invested in this NFT platform. And I couldn't even spell NFT at the time, but the guy's like, oh, it's a good idea. You got to do it. So I think there's a lot of people, look, at the end of the day with crypto, you can't, don't invest money you can't afford to lose. So I I think a lot of people want to get rich quick and they're in on this crypto scheme or scam or or hustle, whatever you want to call it, or if it's legit, whatever you want to view it, but this is not work. By the way, shout shout out to Chad Williams. He's driving and listening to the podcast, had nice words to say. Uh, while he's listening to the podcast. Chad, appreciate the 50 bucks, but I'm going to tell you guys, a guy right here just said something saying Ripple XRP is mm-hmm. in a lawsuit with SEC, could yep. be the first crypto regulated. 99% of cryptos will disappear. They're also in the crypto climate accord. So here's what it means. If one of them gets regulated, mm-hmm. they can use the same case. It is so important for the crypto community to make sure Ripple wins. Mm-hmm. It is just as important for competitors to make sure Ripple wins mm-hmm. as it is for them to because if they lose, who they Domino can go effect. after is a lot of How familiar people. are you with this Ripple XRP? 
As far as what? How, Just in general, what what it's what it is, the business behind I'm not, it. I'm not. Uh, so I have two different perspectives here. I have one friend. Uh, Ricky spoke to him. He's in Australia, the criminal defense attorney. This guy's like the biggest. He is the biggest advocate for Ripple out there. Again, he's an attorney. He doesn't. He's not a crypto guy. Um, but all he talked. You, you, you in on Ripple yet? You're XRP. And then I talked to my buddy Adrian, who's like, dude, don't touch that with a ten foot pole. It's outdated. It's not going to work. It's There's lawsuits. So, again, it comes down to perspective. Who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. You know, it remains to be seen. But it's speculative. It's not a... Translation, Adam hasn't made any money on it yet. That's not true, but <laughs> That's definitely made, not true. You made $2,200 in the last three years on, on crypto. You can't. You can't. That's real money right there. Okay, so... There's a couple zeros behind that. He's brewing. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> It's all fake money. It's all funny money. Is we'll it see. in your hand yet? No, it no, it's in your hand. I can't take still it haven't gotten. Go ahead. Oh, there's a six month lockup period. That's what it is. That is. Yeah. yeah, six month lockup well, period. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. So let's let's talk about a little bit more of a serious topic that uh, everyone's being affected by, and this is something I want everyone's attention on because mm-hmm. odds are there is somebody right now that's going through some kind of anxiety. Based on this story, and it's a CNN story talking about why sexual activity took a pandemic hit and what to do about it. If you're in that community, this is very important. Now, why would CNN write an article like this? Because it's CNN, okay? In the age of COVID-19, our sexual stock has plummeted. None of the old excuses like working late, dinner obligations, a rough commute to get in the way, and with nothing else to do on a Friday night, why not sex? Our libidos are like the stock market. At a high level, they go up or they go down. But when, they, when you look closely, there are numerous factors, physical and psychological, affecting those fluctuations in the age of COVID-19. We're exercising less, eating more, drinking and smoking and vaping to escape the anxiety, all of which affect our sexual health and self-esteem. We might not change out of our pajamas or showers regularly, which affects attraction. We're largely shut off from the outside world and its external stimuli, stimuli and more on top of each other than ever before. And that's leading to anger, resentment, and sense of relational uh, claustrophobia. Our research even found that the effects of forced prolonged cohabitation during the lockdown led partners to turn to masturbation and porn use and less to sex with each other. What a, what a very family-friendly article. I mean, it yeah. really gets me in wanting uh, to... Well, based on your, your tone right there, half our audience is just drove off the side there, there. <laughs> They might go have sex right now. That's based exactly on your what it means. Turn off DJ. the damn pot. Watch, we lose oh. like a thousand people. Everyone's having sex. Somewhere. Did you know that you use the word <laughs> sex and stock in the same story there? So, Adam, I, I turn it over to you. Your two that's, favorite that's subjects. Right. <laughs> save that money. Yeah. Well, I think maybe it's like save that condom. Yeah. Is that what it is? But go ahead. I don't think anyone's worried about condoms these days. They're worried about COVID. I don't think anyone's worried. You about think so? I think there's a bigger concerns out there than, uh, you know, wrapping up. Um, but I don't know. There's something about a pandemic. CNN tells me there's something legit going on. If CNN writes it, you yeah. got to take it seriously. I so. do. Uh, there's something about a pandemic uh, that don't make me horny, baby. I, I, I don't know, like, to use uh, Austin Powers. It don't make you horny, baby. Uh, no COVID. You don't. However, <laughs> to give a shout out to Elon Musk, again, the biggest troll out there. Here we go. I hope everybody is ready for a slutty summer. Things about to get real slutty around here, all right? So cover your eardrums. Are you, fam- are you familiar with this slutty summer effect? There's so much pent-up demand, 
whether you agree with this article or not, I guess people aren't having the sex at times uh, as much as they should or could have. Yeah. Uh, and now there's a lot of pent up demand uh, going on this summer. And uh, I've experienced this for experiences firsthand down in South Beach. People have been uh, when you're flirting locked up and you're yeah. talking to a girl. Has any girl asked you, have you been vaccinated? Has any girl asked you any questions like that when you're talking to her? Has mm. anything about COVID come up pre, you know? Not not like, all right, you've been, I'm about to have sex with you, but have you been vaccinated? Have you had COVID yet? I think it's just, but has so anything, how you been? Has anything, have you had COVID yet? I think, everyone, you, I think everyone asked each other that. No, no, no. Right? I'm talking like, random. You're talking to, I've been married for too long. I've yeah. been for a long time. I don't know what it is to be single. I don't know yeah. the games. I don't well, know the stuff. Well, you're definitely um, I'm putting in work you, during the pandemic. You're about to have a baby. In about three weeks. You're having a COVID four. baby. Yeah. So clearly this article doesn't apply to you. you so maybe you're, uh, maybe this COVID thing turns this PBD baby's on. This kicking more than any yeah. other kid we've had that's kicking. This kid is a kicking baby. She's yeah. fired up Ready to come to out. Well, but, but going back to it, yeah. when you are, I'm asking you, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm married. He's married. You're single. Mm -hmm. When you're out there in the market, you're talking to folks. You're on, you're, I mean, I've seen, you're, you're what? You're on, you're on. Uh, I'm on uh, real life now. I'm on real you're life. You're not on Tinder. Not you're on, on apps, Bumble. No, you're Grindr. No. What, what, you're Grind, on. Just Grindr at this point. <laughs> Got it. So, not, not so much for sex. I'm just looking for a guy to take care of me. Whatever you're on, I hear all these apps from all you guys here that talk. I'm not on any apps. I'm not. So you're I'm not on, on. I'm on. I'm on real life South Beach lifestyle. When you're talking to yes. a girl, is it coming up at all? Is what coming up? COVID. Is anything? Because it's coming up, all right. Is it? Is it coming up? <laughs> Answer the question. Is anything oh. coming up? Where Kai, you're out there in the market. Are girls asking about COVID? Is that coming it, up? I don't. Paul, it's not. Is uh, that com Paul? I've not had that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paul. <laughs> When a girl actually talks to you, <laughs> when, when you have the courage to talk back, what do you say? I've had two and a half women ask me questions. <laughs> Shame on you for saying that's your road dog right I don't, there. I don't he think, helps you look, out. Look, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. This is, again, in Florida. So there's other states. Like if you're in New York, New Jersey, or California, you're going to be like, bro, I haven't been at a bar or a club in, in a year and a half. People are out and about. People are out and about. They're living their best life. They're in clubs. They're in bars. They're in restaurants. Again, this is in Florida, and people are mingling again. People ain't scared at this point. I think young people specifically. Do you buy this? Do you buy this article yeah, by CNN? Okay, here's I, what, okay, go ahead. You know, have you guys watched CNN lately or read their stories? There is no more group of sexually suppressed people than people that work for Seriously, CNN. That's what they're I the feel ones like. that don't get any sex, so they're writing about it. So they, they need to have a little wow. bit more sex and loosen up. Ooh. But you know what? If you Google, so you're saying sex, liberals aren't banging. I'm talking about He's CNN. He's saying you ought to go work for CNN. It would be a lot of a. Uh, would, would that help my sexual activity or? We'll lower? actually give an endorsement for you. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right, and Here we go. as long as it's not Here personal, because no, no, I will th not go th there. This not <laughs> meaning. He's going to ask me. I'm just, Shonda how many times a week? When Shonda, I'm she'll, just, ask, she'll call in. <laughs> Shonda, I, mean, I, like, I got him for you. I'm just, I'm just saying, has there been more, less, or about the same romanticism in your relationship over the last year? This isn't that personal Just like question. everything else. It's whatever I say there's going to be. Damn! I'm kidding. Tom. Uh, yeah, Tom. Okay. Shana's you know, gonna, gonna call in right now. That ass right now. <laughs> Tom, get she your ass on the door. But, but in general, is it because you've been unlocked in in California? Is it the same? More? Less? Man, I don't let pandemics or anything be an excuse. My man. Okay. Okay. Right? But are divorces going up? Or are they the same? Where are divorces these That's days? That's actually a very like, good question. I feel like a lot of people are like, dude, I've been. But, but I've I tell been you, you know what? If, locked if, in with if, this if numbers woman, are up, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised. If numbers, there's a couple guys that went through this guy named Jeff and this guy named Bill. I don't know if you guys know these two guys. <laughs> Jeff Bezos and uh, Bill Gates. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, 
You know, well, I have a couple of reasons why there might be less sex going on during the okay. pandemic. Number one, I think it's binging on TV shows. I think it's the content of TV. It's dark. People watch the Ozarks at night. They watch the Undoing. They watch Better Call Saul. So much content out there is so dark. It doesn't get you in the mood for doing that. Now, I'm speaking for other people, and I'm looking for reasons. Plus, with people on top of each other all day, not literally, figuratively or whatever, but, you know, that plays a role in it, too. They're seeing the same person. And I think who... <laughs> Could it be the wardrobe but, wearing I mean, the, sweats the way, all day? The way I would see it is, what is the greatest stress reliever in the world? Honestly, like it, it's got to be the other. weed. It's got to be the other oh, way sex. around. It's got to be the other it, way it around. It should be logically. It's, it's got to be more. It's got to be I don't like know. There's a, uh, again, my initial point. I don't think pandemics make people horny. What are you talking about? Oh, dude? okay. I know you're having a baby, and a, you know, something about uh, COVID is it's not. A, it's not doing about, things in the Bet David it, household. Dude, let me put it to you this way. Yeah. I tell you, I'm. Ask, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. What? And this goes to everybody. Paul, you can actually participate in this as well. Sam, Kai, everybody, if you want to participate, I'm excited. What is the number one? Give me your top three stress reliever in your life. What is it? I'm actually being serious with you, folks. If you're listening to this, please participate. What is your top three stress relievers? <laughs> Some of the comment section is about to go off. Yeah. But what is your top three? Your mind went to a place, but I would tell say me top yoga, three. meditation. Okay. Right? All right. Uh, That's your number one? Yeah. When I think of relieving stress, I'm not like, I got to go bang someone. Like, I'm not saying that. If, if you're in a yeah. relationship, if yeah. you're in a relationship and you got somebody, if you're in a relationship, yeah. what are the top three stress relievers? I'm being serious with you. Uh, can I answer? Yeah. I didn't know there were two others. That, I'm with him. <laughs> I didn't know that was a stress reliever. What are you like? What are you talking about? Like, okay, are you right, like there, right. there's play on player. One of the healthiest a human being could do yeah. is have some healthy sex. I'm not anti-sex, what? baby. I'm good. You know what? We, we, need to get, we need to get him married. We, we finally yeah. figured this out. No, but I'm, again, I'm, I'm all in on slutty I'm, summer I'm right now. Adam's I'm, a nun. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the comment section. I'm actually asking you guys seriously. I'm going to give you mine. Seriously. Okay, so that's your first. Seriously. Give me your second and third. Uh, uh, there are no others. Okay, so fair. Fair. Okay. I, I'm with you there. What? I mean, come on. There are no others. Give me yours. There's a lot Yoga? of people that, there's a oh, lot of people that's not going to give There's hits, a lot right. of people that smoke Bro, weed. Watching notebook. What else? <laughs> Smoking weed. What else is it? There's a lot of people that smoke weed. There's okay. a lot of people that do yoga Talk and meditate. with his stockbroker. Lots of people, but nobody in this podcast, but yeah. lots of people smoke weed. Lots of people, you know, yeah, uh, I mean, sex is the top three. I okay, agree. There I you agree. Go. Hey, Kai, top three. What's your top three? Uh, I mean, that hasn't been mentioned. I'd say taking a nap. Okay. <laughs> nap. <laughs> say. nap time. Kai's so good, he's exhausted. <laughs> nap time, bitch. <laughs> he's trying to say in the new headquarters we're yeah. building, we got to get a bed set up. How you two. doing, baby? <laughs> How you doing, baby? You ready to go take uh, that by the nap? Way, some people said gym. We got Daniel Aguera yeah. says gym, sleeping. A lot of people said music, reading the Bible. You see the Andrew comments? Jr. Yeah, I do that. I read the Bible, and then I go nap, and then I go, <laughs> you then I go bang. I go pray for Adam. That's you what I should do. actually read the comment section. It's hilarious. So, what are they saying? So here's the point. If you're under yeah. a lot of stress, yeah. I mean. We got drink soy milk is one. I, Paul, lower his <laughs> mic, man. He's like devouring that mic. I can take it to a whole nother level here Say. in a hundred percent seriousness and it might segue into our next topic which is what i guarantee you and i guarantee you this is all 100 seriousness 99 percent of the problem in bill and melinda gates marriage was sex you think so I, i'll tell you right is that now insider information i don't need it i, I have great i instincts. don't need information i go with my gut so you think 
So I do. You think I do. it was bad sex? I, I'm saying lack of sex, bad sex, not turned on hold to on. each other. Hold on. Are yeah, you trying yes. to tell me that Bill can't hit it right? With all that data Bill has, you don't think he's an analytics guy? Oh, that guy is doing some numbers crunching. At six minutes and 28 <laughs> seconds is when I do this. Melinda, and about come two to the minutes. bedroom. <laughs> you got Microsoft. He's a bad boy. He's a you know, bad man We right got there. mail. Yes, you got some mail. How about the how about the naked swim <clears throat> parties back in the day? That was a little creepy. For Microsoft? Yeah. Let's go to that. Let's go to Real quick, uh, here, I, have, I do have a I'm prediction. I'm getting those. So. I, I, I predicted this at the beginning of the pandemic. I think there's going to definitely be a baby boom, a pandemic baby boom. People are locked up. I would up. have to agree with that. People have been locked up. I'm not saying they're banging nonstop like rabbits, but some stuff went down. No, they, I would You're have locked to agree up. That. You're in the house. You can't go out. Time Let me tell you, the last 12 months yep. has been probably the most stressful 12 months a marriage could have had because of all these different things that's going yeah. on. You're dealing with kids. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with kids not going to school in many states. You're dealing with work. You're dealing with constant new regulation, fear, death. You yeah. know, the the stuff going on with uh, Trump, Biden, election, mm-hmm. protesting, BLM. I mean, it was non-stop yeah. stressful. stressful. To- I totally That's agree. That's why I yeah. think if people realize, if you're yeah. married, you're in a relationship, hey, one of the healthiest things you can do is to go, you know, practice mm-hmm. the God-given practice gift that we have. Man, yeah, do, do, no, no. Actually, go. So you would think it would be higher than it procreate. would be lower. Go procreate. Go have as go much sex as you can with, crazy your, with your partner. I think, yes. I think this uh, people's relationships is much like the famous New York song during COVID. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. If you can make it together through a relationship. During COVID? During COVID. Yeah. I mean, you can make it anywhere. Wow. Sounds yeah, like that's the, profound Sinatra. stuff. That's that was the, that was the Sinatra. Dr. And, the uh, next Doctor <laughs> Phil right there, Doctor Dr. Sauce. Doctor Phil. All right, good. so Bill Gates. Since you brought up Bill Gates, Bill Gates. Uh, Bill Gates crafted a public image as a likable, nerdy, do-gooder, gooder, office affairs, uncomfortable workplace behavior, and Epstein ties reveal cracks in his facade. Business insider story. For decades, Bill Gates has had this persona, but pleasant philanthropist. In contrast with the likes of Tesla's Elon Musk and Twitter's Jack Dorsey, Gates was likable, relatable, and non-threatening. But new reports about the tech founder in the wake of his uh, pending divorce from his wife of 27 years after a less flattering picture of the man. Reports from the New York Times and Wall Street Journal indicates Gates at times treated the workplace like a pickup spot, making advances towards women who work from the idea that Gates viewed the workplace as a uh, a trawling ground for dates may not come as a surprise considering the origins of his marriage. Gates met and began dating Melinda French in 1987 after she took a job at the, as a marketing manager. At Microsoft, the Wall Street Journal on Sunday reported Microsoft board hired a law firm to investigate Gates in 2019 over claims. He began an affair within uh, with a company employing 2000 just six years after his wedding. Earlier this month, the journal reported that French Gates has been considering the divorce uh, Divorce ever since uh, since 2019, and she became upset over Gates' willingness to meet with disgraced uh, disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, there's a bunch of other mm-hmm. stories. Go ahead, you, you, tell us what's going on over here. You know what? <clears throat> regarding this divorce, and re- regarding Bill and Melinda, for, so for the life of their marriage, I always find them to be. I mean, for lack of a better word, very creepy. I just found the two of them creepy or fake. Both. Okay. Creepy, fake, robotic, cyborg-esque. Just nothing real about them. Not even human. 
right? In insane wealth, big buying everything, trying to tell everybody what to do. This is the first time I found the two of them actually human. You know, where they're going through some actual human pain, emotion, things that normal people have to deal with. It's the first time the two of them have ever seen normal. Now, when they announced that they were getting a divorce like three Mondays ago, the first thing that came to my mind is what I just said. Bill wasn't getting enough sex. And you might laugh about it, but sex has something to do with this marriage falling apart. Jeffrey Epstein involved? Why are you involved with Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, got, Bill Gates is 10 times smarter than Jeffrey Epstein. He's not doing it for financial advice to invest. He's doing it for other reasons. I don't know what, but for something else. And where does Bill go next? That's the question. Because look at some of these rich guys that, that get divorced. They want to move on. They want to have fun. That, that There's that one thing in their life that they haven't been able to really experience is that loving relationship probably with a female. And I, look, that's part of their problem. And I'd mentioned earlier at the top of the show, you know, one of the other bones of contention between the two of them now is the $10 million inheritance that they were going to give for the kids. So Melinda's brought in the estate lawyers, the the um, inheritance lawyers, and she's going to amp it up a little bit. But for the first time ever, I see these two people as, as human beings, and it's, it's they hate each other right now. Every day there's a new story, and it's I'm sure Bill would like to put the lid on it. What do you think it. Melinda's like behind closed doors, and what do you think Bill's like behind closed doors? Like, how do you see how do you see each being? Like, do you do you see... Melinda being the loving, caring, you know, Bill, you're the greatest ever. Or do you think Melinda's more extremely competitive? We're equal. I'm just as smart as you. I'm just as this. And then do you see Bill being passive aggressive? He's like, dude, whatever. I don't even have time to argue this. Do you realize who I am? How do you see them being behind closed doors? When they were married? Yeah. I see Bill running off and doing other things, getting out of the house to avoid her. I see her being pretty tough on him, maybe for not being around the kids enough, maybe not mm. doing things her Got way. It. I don't see her as the loving housewife trying to make Bill's life better. Mm. I think something that uh, comes to mind, I know you're saying that you know you didn't perceive Bill and Melinda as human and almost robotic. I think something just to keep in mind is no matter how many billions you have or how many zeros you have behind your name, everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. Like it's the same old thing. And it, you know, Elon Musk is worth 150 billion. Like the only person that actually might be a robot out there is maybe Mark Zuckerberg. He's the one person I'm a little questionable about. But th I think it's like you said, this is humanizing Gates, unfortunately, it took a um, divorce for us to actually realize that he's human. Uh, but I think Bill's going to be okay. I think there's a lot of sapiosexuals out there mm. to use a callback. Shout out to Daniel Shout out to Danielle, Boo. who's one of the top sapiosexuals out there. Baby. And um, <laughs> I'm going. It was all that, that, that late night DJ talk. Um, but I think that I think there's a lot of women who are going to be very attractive Yeah, but he doesn't want a, a sapiosexual. That's what he just No, had. he is. He you know, he is the sapiosexual. I think there's going to be a lot of women out there that are going to be very attracted to this newly single Watch billionaire date, smart guy. Watch your 28-year-old tatted guy with nose rings and neck tattoos. Who, Melinda? And Melinda's like, dude, I'm going complete She's going opposite. bad boy. Yeah, exactly. Like the guy from... Uh, why him? You know the movie Why yeah, Him? Yeah, with, uh, James Franco. James Franco yeah. has been getting By in trouble. By the way, he's, he's getting a little cancel yes, culture. Yes, he is. From yeah. his own best friend. From his own Seth, uh, Rogen. Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen saying, I'll never work yeah. with him. Yeah, so somebody like him. Can you imagine Melinda Gates shows up with somebody like him? Why him, Melinda? Why him? <laughs> Why he's not? got a tattoo of a Look, Christmas card on got, his back. You've got this one life, and you just got to go with your gut. Uh, you know, and that's what makes you feel <clears> good. Go for it. Everyone's like One thing that I think we can all agree with, no matter what you do, you're going to be judged. No matter what you do. If you say this and you think you're right, people are going to judge yeah. you. If, you, if you, you're going here to the left, people are going to judge you. So at the end of the day, 
I think you just kind of got to do what what feels right and, and uh, not worry about the cancel culture, the wokeness, or the people thinking you're too this or you're too that, and uh, go with what feels right. Yeah, I think I think Bill probably enjoys life maybe more than we think he does. You know, I think some of this is creeping out a little bit with, uh, you know, the pool parties back in the day. I'm sure that wasn't just a one-time thing. I know he's involved in some very, very exclusive private clubs around the country. So it's and, and he's a golfer. You know, he probably enjoys life. So a what's bit more. the pool party? Tell us about the pool party. Oh, okay. So this came out um, that back in the day, before he was married, that they were having, um, they would hire, they would go to sex clubs in Seattle and hire some of the workers there to come to. The house to do naked swim parties with Bill and some of his friends. That's how they, they would blow off steam back in the coding days in the garage, you know, they all need that it. all day. They need it. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that he's normal. It's good to know that he's normal. So, do you like him more now? Are you going to switch from Apple products to Microsoft products? Or are you going to start know. like doubling down on their software and. You know, Whatever I'll say this about Bill. With. He's a fighter. Maybe. You know, he's an intense fighter, a very competitive guy. How competitive does does he bring that to the divorce? Does he try to crush her? Or is he, I mean, he, he's got to be very, very careful here, right? Because if you listen to stories about how he was building that company, he was tough. You know, he was very aggressive. Very, He had no yeah. problem squashing people, destroying people. And, and, th and this, you know, you get your gloves up when you're in a divorce, man. I mean, it's just, it makes you, it takes you to a different place that you don't want to be. Yeah. And I think I think the media is probably making it even more intense. The, 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 all these stories coming out and them going through it, you know, it's probably pissing them off even more. But how long do you think this is going to last? How long do you think this is going to last? Can this, you think they're going to drag this out no, for a long time? I, I think they had a head start on it. The way it sounded like they were having some of this stuff discussed a couple way years ago. Way before the announcement was made. Yeah, yeah, so I think they got a lot of it in place. But I think Melinda's probably sitting back and seeing that public sentiment is leaning towards her. And her lawyers are going to smell blood. And they're going to go for more. And if they see that he's vulnerable, I, I would imagine this could get very, very contentious. That would be my prediction. I don't know if it's going to get as contentious as you're predicting. I think this is something they've been working out for a while. Uh, they had no uh, prenup. Prenup. Uh, sorry about that. Never been married with a prenup. So I forgot about that. They didn't have a prenup in place. And I think this is something they're going to work out behind closed doors. I think it's the media and I think it's just public perception. Oh, Bill Gates, he's, he's banging this and he's doing this and he's having sex at pool parties. And he's just like, look, man, I'm just going to buy some more there. farmland. Gonna... I think they're going to be very, very, uh, I, I think they're gonna. it's going to be ugly. I really do. Scale of one to ten, how ugly? Ten I, being the ugliest. Okay, ten being War of the Roses. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that movie with Danny Alec, DeVito? Yeah. I would give it a, an 8.8. 8. <laughs> 8. 8.8. 8.8. Sure. What about you? How bad it's going to yeah, be? Yeah, how ugly? I think the ugliness is already done. So what's your number? Oh, I, I think it was ugly a year ago, and it was a nine and a half. Oh, and wow. I think from here on, it's just negotiation. I think it's a seven moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I think they're just going to wrap it up and be done and move on. I yeah. think both of them are probably looking forward to it. I agree. I actually think it's going to be a three. Yeah. I, I don't think, think it's going to be that crazy. I think I both think the of them are ready to them. move on and yeah. just go about them. And you know who probably look, is looking forward to it the most? The kids. The kids are probably, probably like, dude, parents, figure this thing out and let's go already. Man. How Every old are their day. kids? Kai, can we the see The youngest is 18, I yeah, think. Yeah, they got kids 18? that are adults. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They got, they got a kids. One well, of them is 20 I know that they're adults. I assume they're in their 20s. So what do you think the youngest was? Three? No, I thought I figured twenty-five to thirty-five. Oh, He's shit. seventy years old almost. You know what? I think kids take sides in a divorce, or I think the possibility is there if if, if one stay, if maybe especially if they're younger. But they can be easily influenced. Now, here's the media is all over this story right now, and I think the potential is there to dig up more stories on Bill Gates, which could piss Melinda off. Jennifer, Catherine, thinking that Gates? this was Let's all see a going. Of her. Can't you see Melinda going to her lawyers and say, "Get me five more billion. This is bullshit." I just read this story. What he did eight years ago, and he yeah. never told me. But let me ask you a question. Here's a crazy question for you. Pictures, you guy. think anything's going to come out on her? 
No. I don't know. I don't. I doubt. My my first thought is no. I don't think so. Why is that? A because the media has already dug in that Bill Gates is the target, and B she was raising kids. I don't think that was probably her nature to maybe you know wander off. Do, I'm not talking about wandering off. That's not the direction I'm going. But other kind of stories that could, could come out about her. Like what? I don't know. I mean, some it's hard some, to live with. Yeah, oil bitch. I'm talking about how you know like. Like you know, Ellen DeGeneres stories. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying like a story like that. Hey, I'm finally retiring and I'm going to go a different side. You're not really retiring. The audience kind of fired you. That's kind of what happened. You went from being the lovable, everyone loves Ellen, to they don't really love you like they used to. And we got to go find the next person to have a show for mm-hmm. 10, 20 year run rate until they fired the next person. Because go that's get how me the next works. Ellen. Go get me the next Ellen to have for 10 years before the audience fires her mm-hmm. or him. It's just kind of how mm-hmm. things work. But that's right? the shelf so life. It's all it is the shelf is. life. Yeah, it Going is Going out life. on top. So, anyways, let's go to the next story here. Um, California home. Let's go to page seven. California home. Uh, 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 if you want to buy a, this is actually a good story for California. We got to give a little bit of a, a positive story for California. So, found your California dream home. Good luck with that. It may be gone by tomorrow. This is an LA Times story. The four bedroom house in North Tustin went on the market on Thursday. That Saturday, Vic and Sarah. We're inside checking out the mid-century living room and debating how they could remodel the kitchen into $1.1 million listing. If they wanted to act, they didn't have much time. Offer were due Tuesday. Homes are selling at warp speed nationwide, forcing would-be buyers to make snap decisions on what is typically the biggest purchase of their lives. In California, houses haven't sold faster in at least three decades, according to data from state's main realtors association. In March, a home's median time on the market in the Golden State was eight days. That's insane. Eight days. The shortest time period recorded by California Associated Realtors, whose database goes back in 1990. In the bubble years 2003 to 2005, homes typically took more than 20 days to sell. In the hot market years preceding the pandemic, the median uh, medium time on a market at times dipped further, hitting a low of 14 days in 2017. Eight days? No. You put the house on the market within eight days of selling? That's insane to be thinking about that. And it's all over the country. You really don't hear about any market where there isn't bidding wars on yeah. every house. And, and then there's also these other factors that have come into it if you're a home buyer, if you're building a new home, is the, the cost of wood right now. They say that the cost of wood is so high. Lumber. Be, be, lum, lumber because of the supply chain issues that they've had over the past year. That you, if you're building a house, add on another $36,000 on average per house because of the wood. Shonda, my wife, is, a, is an interior decorator. And if you want to order new appliances right now, she said... Six months. Six you know, months wait. So, but by the way, right now at 10 o'clock, I got a uh, uh, interior decorator that's looking at uh, uh, one of the houses that we're looking at mm-hmm. to, to help get the place to, uh, fixed up. And he says, here's our limit. Our limit's a minimum of $200,000, and this is what we take. And honestly, uh, I, if you say no to it, we don't have a lot of time, so this is kind of what we're working with right now. That's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You, like 10 people you call. They're all saying the same thing. Yeah, we're so booked. We can't. When do you need it? Is it like a month from now? Two months from now? No, we need it like now. We can't do that. So it is a very different market today on who benefits from this. But the question becomes how long this is going to last. The challenge sometimes happens. With, I had a friend of mine who was an interior interior designer, and he would also come in and actually do the work. His best year in 2006, he made 1.6 million dollars. For him, that's a lot of money. He made 1.6 million dollars in 2006. Do you know what happened to that uh, $1.6 million income three years later? A third. Crash. 150. Not, not, oh, cra- not, oh, not, oh. not 1.6 to yeah. $600,000 to 150 grand. 9%, uh, 90%. 90% wow. drop off. So here's the, ch- if you're listening to this, 
and you're one of the guys that's making a lot of money, more money than you've ever made in your entire life, mm-hmm. take whatever your income is this year and divide it by five years. Look at that as your real income. If you make $2 million this year, look at it as you only made $400,000 this year over the next five years. If you're making a million this year, you didn't make a million this year. You really made $200,000 this year. If you can look at your income that way, you'll have it mm-hmm. when the bad times come because it's not going to be like this for too long. Look, no. there's two indicators when we talk about inflation. Today we'll launch a video on inflation. Kai, what's the title of the video on inflation? Uh, uh, the dangers of inflation and the futures of America, like how it affects, right? So there, to watch there's two things that affect the market, that controls the market. Who are the two puppet masters of the market? Fed. Fed, and the other one is the government, right? You got the Fed and the government. Those are the two puppet masters. Feds increase rates when the market is doing very good. And the Feds lower rates when the market is doing what? Poor Bad, right. and they're scared about it. Now, the last 12 years, the last 10 years, what have the rates been? Less than 1%. It's mm-hmm. been less than 1% since Obama to Trump to now Biden, right? Janet Yellen indirectly says the rates are going to go up. And the reason why Janet Yellen says it is because she was what before? She was? Oh, the chairman of the Fed. Chairman of the Fed. So she says the rates are going to go up. Wait, wait a minute. Who are you? You can't say something like that. That's not your job. That's Powell's job. So she got in trouble. She had to come back and apologize the next day. If she's hinting at the rates going up, whoever's buying anything today for cheap money, it's going to change in the next 12 to 24 months. It is not going to stay like this forever. People have to realize this. So this craziness that's going on, my biggest concern is a lot of people are buying Ferraris, Lambos, S600s, whatever they're buying with money that they're not going to have two years from now. What is the famous line that you say? Save that what? Save that money. Save that money. If there's ever been a time to be very careful with your cash savings because they're going to do this tax rates. This is yep. not going away. They're going to raise the taxes. It's probably not going to be 39.6 on capital gains. It's probably not going to be 28% for corporate. It's probably going to be 25% for corporate. And it's probably going to be you know 33% for capital gains. 33% is still up what? 13% on 20. That's a lot of money we're talking about. So if you can get some cash right now and sit on it, do so. Because in the next two, three, four years, there's going to be some stuff that's going to be taken. And by the way, when I'm saying cash, I'm not saying cash like you just sit on cash because ca- inflation is going to hurt you. I'm saying put it in a place that you'll have access to in the next two years. Because if you go in the spending spree right now, it's almost like this. You ever seen a fighter that comes in, like it's these videos that do so well, get 50 million views. The guy comes out UFC and is poking fingers in the guy's face. And the other guy's just staying quiet, right? And there was one boxer back in the days who would do the footwork and would make fun of you and slap the guy oh, in the face. Prince. Uh, Prince, yeah, whatever yeah. his name was, right? Prince Ali. Prince, he would do all this stuff. Yeah. And then one of the videos, he's doing this, and he's like looking so good. Next thing you know, he's a little too cocky. He gets Pow. caught, drops. I mean, it's terrible. That video on Facebook's got 40, 50 million views. And yeah. everybody, wants to, everybody wants to see cocky people have a big fall. It's something people like. They like yeah. to see trolls with That's a my big Jake fall. Paul Your guy, Jake Paul. Yes, people love that, right? So all I'm saying is, if somebody's making money right now, more power to you, man. I'm excited for you. Don't overlive your current lifestyle thinking this money's going to come forever. It mm-hmm. is not going to come forever like this. Some people are making lucky money. You know who you are if you're making lucky money. Whatever income you made, the best way to gauge your income. I know, you know, the podcast, we go into a lot of different topics. This is the best way to gauge your income. Take your income. If you made a million and a half this year, you made $700,000 last year, 
and you made $300,000 the year before, you know, in my eyes, what your no matter what income is? $300,000. Mm -hmm. If you made $1.5 this year, you made $1.6 last year, you made $1.5 the year before, guess what your income is? You're a $1.5 million guy. More mm -hmm. power to you. So there's a big difference between this guy living at the $1.5 million lifestyle than the person that made $1.5 this year, two years ago, they were making $300,000. The people that went from three hundred dollars to $1.5 with lucky money, they're going to get destroyed in the next two years. It's going to be very, very ugly in two years. It's going to go back to 2008 years when we, sure. you, know, you were buying $200,000 Lambos for $85,000. A guy comes to me, brings a yellow Lambo, says, dude, just take this from me. I said, what do you mean? He says, I bought this. I dude, just give me $85,000. I said, $85,000? He says, yeah, why'd you pay for $250,000? He just bought it for $250,000 a year and a half ago. Well, it's $85,000. So there's going to be a lot of those opportunities in the next two years. Well, that means there's going to be good deals on houses in a couple plenty, years. So plenty. Plenty. Yeah. In the next two years. Do you plenty. extrapolate that exactly? Let's say you're making 50 grand, then you go to 120 grand, and then you make 180. Same and thing I do with same that. Same thing. Okay. If I don't make the same money three years, I don't buy stuff on the number that I make three years. Gotcha. I don't buy stuff on, on numbers I don't make three years. You just have to look at your numbers that way. Yeah. You can't get caught up in that. I made uh, 300 grand this year, but I usually make 80 grand. Look, you're in the I'm insurance a 300 grand business. Guy. Yeah. I've been in this business for 20 years. You know how many yeah. guys I've had make $100,000 in a month, $50,000 in a month. And I yeah. tell them, listen, you didn't make $50,000 this month. You didn't yeah. make $100,000 this month. You really, if you take your six month average, you made $100,000 plus the prior uh, five months is 40 grand. You made 140 divided by five is what? You made barely $28,000. Act like you made 28, not you yeah. made $100,000. But unfortunately, guess yeah. what happens when a person makes 100? They get the Rolex, they get the Ferragamo, they get the Tom Ford, they get the Stefano, they get all this nice stuff that comes to them. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, hey, uh, I don't have any money. Two years later, they got tax issues. Pat, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree yeah, more so. because especially if you're in an industry where you can make some big commissions. Like there's been some times where I've made a huge pop, 100 grand in a month, Skip. ridiculous. I just put that shit right in the bank. you know when I bought my first Rolex? Ask me when I bought my first Rolex. Pat, when did you buy your first Rolex? Five years ago at 37 years old. Five years ago. Do you know when I could afford to buy a Rolex? At 25 12 years, years old. 12 years ago. At 25 years old. Yeah. But I bought a Rolex five years Why'd ago. Why'd you wait so long? When did I buy my first Ferragamo? What do you think? First Ferragamo shoes, $550 shoes. Four years ago. 29 years old. My first Jays, 30 years old. I've never had a Jordan until what is 30 that? years well, old. Well, tell us why. The point, it's you, you cannot, there cannot be this facade that you have real money. Yeah. There are people that have real money. There are people that are making good money. It's a big difference. If you're making the money and you're living a lifestyle that you cannot afford, it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Half the time, it's, let me see what this guy's doing. Let me see what that guy's doing. For me, uh, uh, I, I'm about freedom. I'm about peace of mind. I'm about calm. I'm about having a lot of those things. Sometimes there is risk. Don't get me wrong. Behind closed doors, I got a lot of my money that's also on risk because I'm going for the big pop. Like, you know how we talked about earlier when you said, uh, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of idiots that lose a lot of their money in the next couple of years with whoever, Dogecoin or Bitcoin or whatever. And I said, there's going to be a lot of Rigid. idiot millionaires. Yeah. There just is. But, you know, what is, what is a real idiot? Somebody could have taken a risk and he's worth $78 million, but he was one day away from being a broke idiot. But mm -hmm. people say what? What a freaking genius that guy is. Just so you know, a very wealthy person is one decision away from being an idiot. Of course. This is what people forget. You see somebody that won at the highest level, you think, oh, this guy must be a – he's not. He just made a couple sure. very good decisions, and he was a little bit more patient than his peers. Yeah, just like everything else in life, luck plays a huge role in everybody's success and timing. Yeah. You know, being in the right place at the right time. True. Risk, Next risk story, by reward. the way. 64% of millennials have regrets about buying their current home. Mm -hmm. 
This is a CNBC story, okay? Nearly two-thirds or 64% millennials ages 25 to 40 years old say they have, the, they have at least one regret about purchasing their current home, according to a new poll of more than 1,400 U.S. homeowners and, uh, from Bankrate. Only 45% of Gen X, 41 to 56, and 33% of boomers, 57 to 75, have reported some uh, type of remorse about the current home they found. But overall, having some dissatisfaction is pretty common. About 43% of all homeowners have at least one regret about their home. Among all homeowners, including millennials, the most common regret is underestimating how much the maintenance expenses and other hidden costs associated with buying and owning a home. Other types of regrets focus on the size of the home and the finances involved in the process, including the mortgage payment and rate. Adam, I'm going to turn this to you. Yeah, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Home ownership ain't all that it's cracked up to be. And there's big three things you need. There's the big three things that you need to keep in mind. And they said it in this article. Oh, I didn't realize that maintenance was going to be this much. There's three things you have to keep in mind if you're going to be a homeowner that you do not have to pay if you're renting. Maintenance is one of them. Taxes is the other big one. And then insurance. All right. Homeowners insurance. So people don't get into that. They think, oh, I'm going to get this house. I can make the payment. It's all good. The interest rate is pretty reasonable. Sounds good. I'm I'm going to just buy the house. It, it seems great. And they forget about these big three factors, big three expenses that you're going to have to come out of pocket for. And you touched on this earlier. Be weary of where you're getting your, your advice. You touched on this earlier. And when you hear a realtor or someone who's a developer say, why would you put your why would you rent? You're throwing all your money away. You're throwing all your money away renting. Who's giving that advice? Like you said. Someone that wants to sell a house. Exactly. And and you said, well, you know, be patient. Stay in the market. Stay in the market. Why would you leave the market? Who's saying that? Somebody that ultimately probably works on Wall Street. So, Yeah, Julie Swenson right now just gave five bucks. And she said, I don't agree with the home prices due to birth rates. We are easily going to see appreciation in the next five years, right? Yeah. So, Julie, here's my response to you. I don't disagree that real estate is a bad investment today. Here's why. Hear me out. Let me tell you how I'm processing this. When inflation takes place, who wins? Whatever that can't be duplicated. Mm -hmm. Let me say it one more time. When, it, when inflation takes place, who wins? Whatever that can't be copied and duplicated. What does that mean? You cannot copy more land. You cannot duplicate more land. L prime land is going to be valuable for a very, very long. If you got premier, premier land, located in a place where families are going to want to go and birth rates mm -hmm. is going up. They're going to want, like, let's just say, take the best private schools, okay? Take the best private school in Omaha, Nebraska. Take the best private schools in whatever, in L.A., in Chicago, in Dallas, in Florida, in Miami. Take the best private schools and then go to the best community in that close to the private school. Maybe it's a gated community. Maybe it's a good area. That community forever is going to do well as long as that private school mm -hmm. does well because families with money who can afford to pay fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars for a private school are willing to go live near that school. So I do agree with her. The only challenge I have isn't the fact that long-term real estate is not going to go up. The challenge I have is people who are buying stuff that they cannot afford. People who are living a lifestyle today, that's not really their lifestyle. Overextending. That is that is not a smart move to be making. And, and, and a lot of people are making that move right and now. And it might be some of these millennials that now have the regrets, right, yeah. about buying the house. You know, that that's a shocker for a young person. Um, there's no landlord to call when the plumbing goes down or the roof leaks or something like that. And that's expensive. Yep. If you had to have a plumber come over, that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's unbelievable. The other thing that this story about the millennials, you know, points to me is... Have a little 
gratitude. I mean, they're always looking for the negative thing about regrets and this and that. How about, you know, no one put a gun to your head to make you buy these houses. And I think it also speaks to the fact, like, a little bit what you mentioned, Adam, they weren't looking for advice from people that maybe were owners of homes and what they should look out for. Maybe a little arrogance creeps into it, like they have all the answers and I'm just going to buy a home now because I can afford a down payment. But there are some some hidden little misery items there that you got to prepare yourself for. And one other thing is... Um you know, they talk about the American dream. You talked about financial freedom a little bit ago. You used that terminology. The the American dream back in the day where it's ironic that baby boomers, a third of them have regrets, whereas two thirds of millennials have regrets. And ultimately, I think that's because the American dream has changed. American dream back in the day when, you know, our parents were, were really coming to age in the 80s when we were all ba basically being born um, was to have a house in the suburbs, let's say, Work in the same job for the next 40 years, get your gold wash, get your pension, retire, kind of have stability. The American dream has changed significantly these days. It's all about work from anywhere, financial freedom, uh, travel, live your best life, and not necessarily being tied down. A thing that I'm a huge proponent of is having high flexibility and low overhead. So look at my life in the last 12 months. I lived in Miami. I lived in Dallas, I lived in Boca, and we might be moving yeah. again in the next... We are going to be. Okay, so yeah. the point is, if I was locked in, well, Pat, I'd love to be a part of Valley yeah, but, 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 but I've I, got a house in Pembroke Pines. True, true, but I want you to think about it. You want to be married one day, no? Correct. You want to have point. kids one day, yes. no? Do you think the Uber lifestyle is going to work if you're married? No. Do you but, think? It's, no, I'm, I'm actually not being funny. I'm actually being very serious. But I will tell you one where it does work. Where? So... Yes, I agree. At some point, if you have kids, you're going to need a house, you're going to need Bro, a car, all that. you're an athlete. That. That you, you worked I out agree. yesterday. I'm looking at your – the guy was – you were vascular coming back after yeah. basketball. basketball prime. You're going to want to teach your kids how to play basketball. You're one no, of the best no athletes that came out of high school here playing football. You had all these records with basketball. Yeah. You were an athletic guy. So, yeah. so if you want to drop these guys – so, so what I'm saying to you is I think the approach you took to save your money, it is genius on what you did. And I think more people ought to take a play out of your playbook. But that is with the intentions of saving money because once you are married, yes. you get to choose what zip code you want to Correct. raise your kids in. You get to choose what private school you want to put your kids in. If you want to raise your kids with the religious beliefs that your family has, maybe mm -hmm. you want to raise them with a, a private school that they – uh, 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 link to a Jewish community. If you want to do that, great. If you want to put them at Pinecrest, if you want to put, you could do that. You have yeah. those options. But it's it's with the plans of eventually having choices. Forever, it's not sustainable to be like that. Single, maybe in New York. Yeah. I'm, I don't think it's going to be sustainable Pat, in a place I, I totally like agree this. with yeah. you. I totally agree with yeah. you. I sacrificed in my all throughout my 30s to save money, not to have major expenses, but, but keep it flexible. But when you say sacrifice, listen, you all, you, it's not like you, listen, you've had more fun than 100 single men combined. So true, it's not like you true. haven't had the fun. Let's not say sacrifice, like <laughs> it was a sacrificial lamb outside of the okay, bar. You're like, got a little freaking, you well, know, oh I my say, gosh, uh, drinks. Thank you. Thank you, know? you. When I say sacrifice, meaning yeah. I still haven't bought a Rolex for 20 Gs. I still haven't bought a Lambo that. for 200 grand. Could I have? Yes, but I'd rather save that money, invest that money, so when I'm in my 40s, I'm not freaking out, stressing but you, but over what also, kids I'm going go to go You also don't even care. You have a certain fashion that you follow, black, white, blue, jeans, basic. certain shoes, basic. and it's very basic. That's kind of how well, you I do think, it. I think this is something that our audience should— You cut should... your own hair or somebody else cuts <laughs> your own hair? I go to this guy, Rapatoni. But I think I th him. there there is a—by uh, the way, he looked great in Dallas. That hair's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know how old Rapatoni is in his 50s. He's the guy's like, ridiculous. He's, making, he's doing very well but for himself. something that I will say is that you get so caught up 
in materialism and consumerism or the latest Gucci belt and then yeah. and the and then driving this car and the fashion. There's something just so awesome and just being comfortable I in your own skin. I fully agree. Dude, I, I got I, a black t-shirt on. I got no jewelry. Good for you. But I feel great. I'm not even yeah. saying for me. Yeah. For our audience out sure. there. It's not about the stuff, the materialism. Look, some people, it's about being comfortable I, I in your don't, own skin. I, I, I think for me, it's whatever drives you. Okay? I think it's whatever drives you. You broke it down you. in your yeah. four different... Whatever uh, drives you. And that drives you, I love it. Whatever drives him, I love it. Whatever drives Shana, I love it. Whatever drives me, I love it. It's whatever drives the individual. Mm -hmm. But I think there's more leaning towards having some of the money in the bank today because just assume bad times are usually coming every yeah. five to ten years. It just every ten years we have a recession. That flat out. It's yeah. just the numbers run that way. About every 10 years, five to 10 years. Yeah. Sometimes it's two to four years, but it's five to 10 years we have a recession. Right. And those who are prepared for it, guess what? They end up being called the geniuses. And you can yeah. act as much as you want that you're making real money today. It's not as... Uh, by, by the way, can, let, me, let me make a prediction to you. Let me make a prediction to you. Let's just say, let's just say, let's just say, mm -hmm. let's just say, in the next 24 months, Dow goes to 25. Bitcoin goes to 8,800. Unemployment goes to 8.8. It's kind of throwing numbers out there. Okay, unemployment goes to 8.8. Taxes go to the roof. Biden actually does what he does. Okay, taxes go to the roof. Uh, money supply is not looking pretty. China is blowing up, growing, you know, doing incredible things. Okay, all of these things that are taking place. Those people that were sitting on millions of dollars, you think they're shopping the way they are? No. no. The $300 that they're saying they're about to cut in how many different states? What was the number with $300? How many states are being cut? Nearly 2 million Americans states. will lose that $300 unemployment benefit this summer. That's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 2 million people. So that's about to go away. Yeah, but there's 8 million jobs that are open. It just goes yeah. to show they don't want to work. You're right. Yeah. You're right. What did Applebee's just announce? Kai, what was, was it Applebee's that announced they're yeah. hiring 10,000 10, new people? Pathetic. And they're having a hard yeah. time finding. Yeah. But, By the way, Applebee's is paying bonuses just to apply. Yes, yes. To apply. Doing a lot of Can them are you doing imagine what's yes. going on? They're begging people to get a job. And they're not wanting to. But it. we're Go going ahead. two different directions yeah. here. Where were you going with all what those I'm, stats? Where, where yes. I'm going with this, when that happens, yeah. if that happens, okay, who then is the genius two years from now? The people sitting on the cash, not Such being an idiot who? with their money. Such as who? The people that listen to me and save that money. Such as who else? The Give people... me big names. Such as who? As far as Warren what? Buffett. Warren Buffett. Yeah. People are going to say this flipping conservative muck. Yeah. You know what? Value investor. This guy. Yeah. By the way, it's not if, when this happens, which you just laid I'm out. Just, that's I'm, a scenario, actually, that, that's I'm just scenario that you just played out, I yeah. think is very reasonable yeah. in the next five so, years. And then people are going to say, well, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, he maybe he really, maybe Munger, maybe this, maybe that. So look, I'm, I'm of the place that we, the moment you no longer listen to the youngins, you have a blind spot. The, mm -hmm. the moment you also don't take counsel from the old experience, yeah, just you say also that. have blind spots. By the way, I yeah. think it's both, though. I, agree. I think too often we're coming from a place of, well, you know, I know what I'm talking about and all this. Do you realize, you know, I have uh, shoes older than you? Those bullshit type of lines people say, listen, that's showing you got a blind spot. Yeah. I got shoes older than you. No, it's it, when I wanted to find out about how social media works, I sat next to a girl who was Candy's daughter. Her name mm -hmm. is Phoebe. She was 14 years old. She's now uh, uh, doing great in her life. Shout out to the Kindy family, Kindy and Ellie. I'm sitting next to Ellie in Hawaii. Uh, not Ellie. Uh, Phoebe next to me. I said, Phoebe, tell me about what social media app you're using right now. And she said, seriously? I said, yeah. I said, what grade are you in? I'm in 10th grade, 9th grade. What social media app you're using right now? She says, everyone's using Snapchat. I said, Snapchat? Yeah. I said, not Facebook? This is like 10 years ago. She says, no, everyone's using Snapchat. I said, can you show me Snapchat? How does it work? 
She shows me Snapchat. Then I'm in Bakersfield. A girl named Shauna Blado and Marlene Colmenares, they say, Pat, why are you not on Snapchat? So what do you mean Snapchat? This is eight, nine years ago. They're showing me Snapchat. I listen to them, and I'm like, oh, this guy's got these millions of subscribers, whatever. I'm listening to the youngins on what's going on. But if these guys get too cocky with that, they lose. If the youngins don't take the counsel and say, dude, listen, I've seen 10 markets. Yeah. Right. I've seen 10 ups and downs. I'm telling you, you may be up to something with crypto, but I'm just telling you, you may want to take a little bit of right. experience on what I've seen happen over the last I think what you're saying years. is that it works both ways. Yes. They're, they're, and everything they're, is cyclical. They're, both have blind spots. Correct. When the old and experienced get too cocky, they get destroyed and replaced. Yep. When the young and energetic get too cocky, they lose tens of years of their lives because they could have saved that 10 years by listening to somebody who made that mistake mm -hmm. 40 years before they were even born. So I think there's an element of learning from both. But I want to go to Las Vegas. Big news, Las Vegas just came out talking about the fact that opening up, nine Vegas casinos get green lit uh, to open at 100% capacity. This is an associate press story. Uh, uh, gambling giant MGM Resorts International Wednesday joined a growing number of Las Vegas Strip casinos, page six, uh, with state regulatory approval to open casinos floor at 100% capacity and no person-to-person -person distancing requirement. The company said the Nevada Gaming Control Board granted its waiver for nine properties based on its workforce vaccination. Approval applies to casino floors at Bellagio, Aria, MGM Grand, Mandalay Bay, Mirage, New York, New York, Luxor, Excalibur, and Park MGM, three-foot distancing and 80% occupancy restrictions remain at restaurants, swimming pools, and other non-gambling areas. Masks are still required. Clark County lawmakers with jurisdiction over Las Vegas area businesses have approved plans to allow 100% occupancy. Over 60% eligible county residents get a vaccine, uh, a vaccine shot. Uh, as of Tuesday, the figure was at 47%. The other Las Vegas casinos open at 100%, including Wynn Las Vegas, Encore Cosmopolitan, and resorts known as the Strat. They showed gambling uh, control board at 80% employees have received at least one shot of coronavirus vaccine. Good to hear uh, Vegas being back. It's great. Finally, yeah. Vegas is sitting around saying, holy freaking moly, how much more mon money are we going to lose to Texas and to Florida? They see Canelo's fight, Cowboys Stadium. They see NBA All-Star Game. Uh, uh, they see NBA uh, playoffs, the Florida. Bubble. They see uh, Super Bowl, Florida. They see all this stuff taking place. Now, listen, how much money you think cost Vegas by seeing oh, what Florida and Texas did? What is the number? Hundreds of billions. Billions of yeah. dollars. The number one convention city in the world, potentially. The number one convention city in the mm -hmm. world. It's back open. I'm excited about this. Thank God. It's about time. And, you know, it finally feels like common sense is kind of returning in this country. And, you know, good for Vegas. I guarantee you they were chomping at the bit to open way, way sooner, but they were their hands were tied and they couldn't. Um, you know, you got the Raiders with the highest-priced tickets in the NFL. They're going to be ex huge this year. Imagine, they just opened up that new stadium in, in Vegas. They couldn't even play in it last year. It's going to be insane what football weekends are going to be like in Vegas. you got the hockey team that just started the playoffs again. And you know what? These casinos should be wide open. They should be. You know what? If you are overweight, if you have some cardiovascular issues, if you have uh, circulatory issues, if you have some sort of health, don't go because maybe you're, you know, it's day just like everything else in this world during the pandemic, mm -hmm. the last 14 months. But we were so caught up in protecting everybody and not having any common sense by saying, hey, you know what? If you have these issues, your life is in danger. This is a serious threat for you, old people, etc. Take caution, quarantine, don't, but everybody else should have been out. You know, and, and the whole thing, but that's a whole nother story. But thank God, if Vegas is open, that sets the that sets kind of like the the bar for everybody else, and it's okay to open up everywhere.
So speaking from a consumer mindset, because I want to flip this over to you and get your perspective. But speaking from a consumer mindset, I mean, I'd go to Vegas once a year, maybe for a convention. So you're not a Vegas guy. No, I, mean, I live in South Beach. Why the hell do I need to go to Vegas? That's a good point. Okay, like, uh, yeah, so you're not somebody that yeah, went to Vegas. Out, yeah. I would go, I would yeah, go for Vegas a business trip. Vegas offers you so much that South Beach doesn't. I mean, I think. I mean, A, you can gamble, number one. B, you can go to the You can gamble. You can you can gamble in South Florida. You can go to the Hard Rock. And I don't think of Miami as the finest dining. I know there's good restaurants. I know there is but you go to vegas for the dining as well the spa i think you'd you'd, you'd, you'd Look, own vegas. again i'd go to vegas once a year i'd go on a business trip i'd go on a bachelor party i'd go for a little vacay whatever once a year like that 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 so cool from a consumer standpoint all right i missed my vegas trip this year no big deal but you throw a freaking massive convention in vegas from a business owner standpoint who puts on yeah mega conferences this has to be two and a half months you. away this is th- three this has months to be away ridiculous oh yeah you. i mean we have nikki jam performing we nigga, have nigga, nigga, mike jam. tyson will be there we have frederick de silva the top illusionist in pretty much all of america yeah we have mario uh, lopez uh, mario hosting. lopez will be the host of award yeah, ceremony not which mario is pretty aguilar sick. sorry no, 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 mario lopez similar yeah. mario but mario yeah, lopez just as Anyways, good looking just as talented patrick lencioni a bunch of other guys that we're also still working on but but the point is when i went to mgm Last uh, two weeks ago, I don't know what it was, two or three weeks like ago. Like you physically went to Vegas? Oh, yeah, I was no. at MGM Grant, okay. and I was talking to all the employees. They okay? and they're giving us the tour and all this stuff because we're kind of setting up on, hey, how are you going to fit 12, 13,000 people here? How are we going to do this? Are you talking about in the arena where the UFC fights we're are? We're doing MGM. it in the Grant yeah. Arena. Damn. Okay. Yeah, we're renting, yeah. we're shutting down all of MGM Grant is what we're doing, to do an okay. event in two and a half months. You ought to come, fly I'm coming, out. Yeah, for sure. It's a sick show. The award ceremony, you're going to say it's one of the greatest shows you've ever seen. And if but, it's anything like the event ceremony that just went on in Dallas, that's 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 nothing. That's what's crazy. No, 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 I can't, no, I'm not, excited to see insane. this. Anyways, yes. so I went there, and I, and I go through my guys, and I talk to my guys. And uh, uh, my guys, people that I've been doing stuff with, you know, AV, once you work with an AV team, you kind of like buddies together. I saw my guy Lee, he yeah, hugs Lee. me, gives me a kiss. Adam I freaking Sandler's love guy. Lee. You know, Adam Sanders' guy, whether it's Marshall, all these guys. We've been doing so many things together, yeah. right? Nice guy, Lee. So anyways, and I'm in the back of MGM. I'm like, so tell me, what's going on with work here? Pat, you don't even know what's going on. Tell me what's going on. Dude, 90% of people don't have a job. What do you mean 90% of people? 90% of my guys don't have a job. How are they making it today? They're struggling. Unemployment. They're struggling. And all this stuff is not cutting it. It's not enough. This is very scarce. So when do you think it's going to open? I hope soon. People need jobs. We need people coming in. You, you, You could tell how excited they were that we have still kept our contract that we're doing our event with them. Yeah, it was awesome. a risk because we signed a contract and we did the deal with COVID. So we announced we're doing an event pre-Vegas being open. Uh, open. It was a risk. It was a big risk we took. A lot of our competitors saying it's an irresponsible thing to do. Maybe you're right, yeah. but Dana White, listen, he opened up UFC and he says, we're opening up. Let everybody else follow suit. We didn't slow down with that. We're putting the convention. The biggest part about this that I'm excited is the fact that those workers who love putting events together, who get a kick out of putting a great show, supporting all of that, they finally are back. They have jobs. They can now sell tickets, sell concerts, sell rooms, sell out the place, do all that other stuff that people do. I am very, this is very, very big for America to see Vegas being open. Yeah. Very big for and, America and think about to it. see Vegas being How open. How much love did you get when you took 500 people down to Hawaii? Oh, Hawaii treated us royally. Because they, they, they hadn't had any tourism in a year. They treated us so royally, man. They and were, you show up with 500 people, and it's like, hold, they, thank you for coming. They, by the way, You told that story. So we had a trip going to Bora Bora, right? Mm-hmm. We have a trip going to Bora Bora that we had to cancel uh, two weeks ago. And here's why. Bora Bora, we, we have the bungalow set up, yeah. everything. It's the most exclusive uh, island that we had in Bora Bora, and we were shutting down all the bungalows. We took all of them, right? 
And it's not 500 bucks a night. It's expensive when you get these bungalows when you're shutting down an island. They call us and they say, you can come, but Bora Bora state laws is the following. Everyone has to be vaccinated mm-hmm. or they have to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah, well, that's so we had a conference call. We asked our guys. Our guys like, dude, we're not doing this. So what, what am I going to do? So now we're looking at other places. A bunch of places are closed. Maldives is open. Jamaica's Turks and Caicos is open. open. Jamaica's open. Aruba's open. Bahamas is open. A lot of different places are open. But it's it's so interesting now that the criteria mm-hmm. to take a incentive trip, company trip, you have to look at state laws on who doesn't require you to do. This whole thing with vaccine, yesterday I asked a question on Twitter saying, how many of you guys, this is what I asked. I said, how many of you guys on Twitter are, uh, 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 let me pull this up to see the survey. And it's, it's the most common question right now being asked. I said, did you get the vaccine shot? I put yes as a poll, no, thinking about it, not going to, period, right? So yes, 28%, I got the vaccine shot. 4,000 people polled on this. No, 35%, haven't gotten it yet. Thinking about it, 11%, not going to, period, 26%, not wow. going to, period. So you're seeing a lot of messaging right now with what's going on with, hey, you better get this, you better get the shot. So even traveling, Vegas, it's going to get a little tricky. Delta's talking about they want to see potentially a vaccine card to fly. I think there's going to be an uproar if they take that kind of a position. But, uh, you know, I talked to Subramanian Swami from India who sits on the cabinet, is a one of the most influential people in all of India, professor at Harvard. He is good friends with Modi since the 70s. The guy is a beast of a guy. He's got millions on top of millions of views on YouTube, probably in his late 70s, early 80s. And we talk about what's going on with India. Last seven-day average on COVID cases, 400,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Death, seven-day average, 4,000 a day. So I said, why do you think this happened? He says, you know what's crazy? We are the biggest producers of the COVID vaccine in our country. We have two different kinds of vaccines. One of them killed nearly 200 people. I believe that's the number he gave. And the other one is doing better. He says, but we got too sloppy. We got a little too comfortable. And because we got a little too comfortable, that's what took place here with us in India. And now we're, we're struggling to kind of slow this thing down because it's not slowing down. So there is that fear of what if something happens like that in the States. But the reality of it is Florida and Texas has proven that there is ways to come back and still control it again. What did he mean sloppy and uh, getting too comfortable? They, they, he got a little too cocky. He's saying Modi got too cocky and he got up and he said in February – we are down to 11,000 cases a day in a country with 1.4 billion people living there. Hey, let us teach over. the rest of the world how to do it. And the next thing you know, yeah. boom, that took off. By the way, where are you going so, if not Bora Bora? What would you pick? We, we had a conference call last night at midnight, 1230, and we're right now looking at a couple different places. I'm about to announce it on a conference call right after Sweet. this. Yeah. So we're, I'll announce it next week. Yeah. I'll, I just don't want to reveal sure. it because hey, people are watching. By the way, there's it. nothing more depressing for America than seeing the strip in Vegas dead and nobody there. Yeah. I mean, that sets the tone, and that's just like just saying, man, we're screwed. So the fact that it's going to be crazy. I mean, people are going to make up for lost time. Yeah. No I'm excited about it. Look, if, enjoy, if you're enjoying today's podcast, smash thumbs up and subscribe to the podcast. If you think you've already subscribed, this is a completely different channel. We only got 60,000-something subscribers. We'd love to take this to a million subs. If you want to see this thing grow, give us a sub. Give us a thumbs up. It helps us with the algorithms. Let's talk Talk about teachers union teacher page 10 teachers union leader calls for fully reopening schools this fall this is a political story af aft president randy Wingarten called for schools to reopen full-time and in person and uh, this fall and set out multi-million dollar outreach campaign to coax uh, uh, coax uh pronounce that word for me coax, coax uh, yeah. families back to campuses as president joe biden administration passes for a quick resumption of 
uh, regular classes. The chief of the 1.7 million member labor group said political pressure from Republican lawmakers didn't factor into her school reopening call to the AFT on Thursday. Really? Let me read that one more time. The chief of the 1.7 million member labor group said political pressure from Republican lawmakers didn't factor into her school reopening call to the AFT on Thursday, nor, she said, did any new coronavirus with Biden administration about school reopening during the COVID-19 pandemic. She instead cited expanded eligibility for coronavirus vaccines, her own visits to schools, carrying out the federal safety guidance for reopening, plus hundreds of billions of dollars in federal aid not being delivered to K-12 through schools. Anyways, we're going to see what's going to happen. The good news is that there are finally people from teachers' union realizing keeping kids at home not only hurts marriages nonstop, you're hurting people to get back to work because some parents can't afford to have a babysitter to be with the kid when they're going to school. There's a lot of different risks. They're finally, I talked to a friend of mine yesterday. She called, we had a conversation together and she lives in LA. She's got three kids, her and her husband. But husband's one of my top five best friends I have. Good guy, you met him before. So we're having a conversation together. And I said, she says, so how are things? I said, kids have been going back to school the entire time. What are you talking about? Yeah, there was like slight little break in Texas, but they've been going back to school. You're serious, yeah. I said, how are things over there in California? Pat, you know what I'm saying? No one's going to school. They're home. Period. Like, period. Yeah. Like, what are you talking? It's, it's as Your if. Your kids too? It's as Look. if you're living in a different yeah. world. They're finally getting it. So wow. here's what's starting to happen with politics. Let me see, tell you what's starting to happen with politics. Democrats and Republicans, okay, sometimes when you are a registered Democrat, you almost feel obligated to have to support everything that is on the ballot box of what? All Democrats. Yeah. And sometimes when you're Republican, you find, kind of feel like obligated to say, okay, yes, 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 right? I have to agree with everything. Yep. I think what is starting to happen is people are starting to say, dude, forget about being a Democrat or Republican. This shit just doesn't make any sense. We got to open yep. up the schools. What yep. the hell are we yep. doing here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Staying loyal to a political party? Let's open the damn schools and it's starting to happen. Tom. Well, totally I, I, I'm very, very emotional and fired up about this topic because you know, here's one thing we learned over the past 14 years is just how powerful teachers unions are. And it's extremely political and they held cities hostage. And I'm still very, very annoyed at them. I don't think an industry has taken a hit more than the teachers industry, educators in general, over the past year. Because here's what happens. Because of these greedy, evil union leaders for the teachers associations, it paints all of them in that same broad brush. I look at teachers completely different. And I say this with my daughter being a teacher. She graduated from Pepperdine, got a job in a public school, was doing fine. I don't want her joining the LA County Unified School District Teachers Union. I don't want her to do it. And thank God she got a great job at Cavalry Christian, which is one of the top Pub or private schools in all of LA in the Palisades. So awesome! Luckily, I know it's a. Criminal. This is when this is recent. Yes, phenomenal. A, know, That's great news. Ago, it's huge. Good. I know we had a huge celebration for her. It was was awesome. she happy? Oh my God, she's ecstatic. Good. Plus, she's starting the soccer program for him too. So I'm. She's still doing the diving or no? She's no, not. this is my older daughter. Brooke. Oh, Pepperdine. Yeah, yeah, yeah you got yeah, it, got okay. it. Okay, so I'm just grateful she's not in the teachers' union. And I, last week I had to go drop. Dash left his violin at home. I had to go drop it off at school. I couldn't even get in. They go for like two hours a day. Four days a week. It's the his craziest. Skateboard or his violin? His violin. He's a he's a <laughs> yeah. skateboarding when violinist. That, when that guy wow. is on the cover of a GQ yeah. magazine, you and I are gonna say we knew him when he was eleven years oh, old. Oh yeah, we knew him when Dash he was Dash is a stud and a half. So I couldn't even get into school. I had to literally I standing yeah. right outside the door of the office, I had to call them on the phone and saying, Can I come in and drop but off that's the violin? Just, for the sake of California, I can't just say that's a California thing. That's everywhere. That's yeah. Texas and Florida. But even, even in a here week ago? I can't. No, okay. I can't. If I go to school, they don't let me on campus when I'm taking 
taking the school. Okay. When I'm touring schools right now in Florida, they don't let you tour the schools until applications been submitted, until okay. they're considering, then they're allowing you. So I can't say that's there a California thing. That's there. everywhere. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That is pretty much everywhere that's taking place. By the way, something very weird happened with UC, with the, uh, UC schools and SATs. Did you see that? Yeah, they're dropping them, right? I thought that's kind of weird, and I'm curious to know what you think about this. So University of California will no longer consider SAT and ACT scores. This is a New York Times story. They will no longer take into account an admissions or scholarship decisions for its system for of, ten, of, of 10 schools, which includes some of the nation's most sought-after campuses in accordance with a settlement and a lawsuit brought by students. The settlement announced on Friday signals the end of a lengthy legal debate over whether the University of California system should use standardized tests which students of color and those of disabilities have said that puts them at a disadvantage. Some 225,000 undergrad students attend University of California schools, and a settlement this week makes the system the largest and best-known American institution of higher education to distance itself from the use of two major standardized tests, and that's SATs and ACT. ACT. Yeah, there's, th- there's so much pressure on these kids right now. Getting into the right college is just unbelievable. So you're for this. You agree with this. You know this. what? Here's the thing. If you are going to test really high on these, uh, it's a ba- it's really bad news because that's a, that's a golden ticket. If you score, what, a 34 on your SATs, you're in anywhere you want to go, basically. So I think it's unfortunate for the kids that can prepare for these specific tests, but it might 34 on SAT? 30, 30, uh, 32? ACT, th- you mean. ACT, yeah. yeah, yeah not SAT. Right. Yeah. On the you're really bad scoring. Yeah. Yeah. You know, UCLA this past year, which is one of the toughest schools. I was going to say, that was a case I should be Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> I think you get 500 bucks for so just writing I'll your name back down. Right. Say, what happened, Harvard? Go back to the University of Miami and start partying. Um, so UCLA dropped them this past year because of COVID, and it completely changed the playing field, right? It just opened up so many people, more people to have the opportunity to get in there. So I, I don't know. It's, been, it's the way we've been doing it for so long, and it's going to take a few years for this to shake out and just see what the effect is. What do you is. think about it? What do you think about so it? So I guess my question is, what are they using to judge uh, applicants? Just your GPA and your resume? Well, that and then, what? yes, your resume. What kind of programs you've been I in? I don't know about that. Listen, I, I mean, I get it. I get the fact that there's a lot of pressure to do that, but dude, if you can't handle the pressure of going into college, how the hell are you going to handle the pressure of real life? What kind of pressure there is in real life? Are you kidding me? Hey, you got a baby. You got the pressure of having to put food on the table. That's real life pressure. If, if you want to get a job and there's a deadline to it, you can, this is too much pressure. Isn't college supposed to like prepare you for real life pressure? What's no. more pressure, being married with kids or going to college? Honestly, married what is with more kids. pressure? Married with kids is way more pressure than going to yeah. college. So for me... I uh, I don't know if I like this. And I got three kids, one on the way. So for me, I kind of want the kid. Listen, you ain't got a good SAT. You ain't got a good ACT. Guess what? Maybe you're not good enough for that school. Maybe maybe you got to go a different route. Yeah. But now if we don't find out and you go to school, it takes me four years to realize we wasted money going into college. I, I don't think this is a race thing. What race? What, what, what does this have to do with race? If this is a race thing, why are so many Asians killing it in school? If this is truly a race thing. If you go look at the grades in school uh, with, with uh, nationalities, go look at how Persians do in school. Honestly, go look at how Persians do in school. Some of the best students. Go look at how Asians do in school. They're not American. They're not white. This is not a race thing. This is the kind of stuff that's getting a little bit pathetic when they're talking about, hey, It's because of race we have to drop ACT and SAT. No, it's not because of race. It's because it's tough. And there's a lot of pressure to getting an SAT score. I got a real low SAT score, okay? Guess what I realized? It's probably not the route for me. I went into the military. That's not discrimination. I sucked. I didn't pay attention in school. I was lazy. 
Am I going to say it's the school system's fault? No, it's my fault. I didn't, dis- I didn't stay disciplined. I lifted weights instead. I went and hung out instead. I went and sold hats instead. I sold beanies instead. I sold baseball cards instead. I went in the military. Right. Two and a half years later, I got out and I went into sales. The rest is history. So for me, to, to, it's, like, it's like the whole thing with boot camp, right? Boot camp is too much pressure. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a little bit tough. You're supposed to have a little bit of a hurdle to go to the next level of a school. If that's not the case, then what becomes special about going into the UCLA system? Morale graduated from UCLA, okay? She graduated from UCLA. I think her GPA was like 4.5, 4.6 when she went into UCLA. You know, to me, when I see Morale, you know what I think about? I'm like, salute. When she, was, she got her uh, a bachelor's degree, then she went, she went and got her MBA, guess what? That's because you paid a price when you were going in high school. Others were partying. You were paying attention in class. Mm-hmm. You get a salute to getting into UCLA. Now you're telling me a girl who busted her tail to get into UCLA, maybe got a scholarship for a grace that she had. Parents didn't have to fork up, you know, a quarter of a million dollars. Now we have to make her the same as another person that didn't get good grades, didn't fight for the SAT, didn't fight for the ACTs. They're at the same level. I don't see them being at the same level. Yeah, what's wrong with being competitive for these kids? I, I don't see a challenge, brother. Yeah. I think we need that. I yeah. think we have to depansify the next generation, and we're producing too many pansies mm-hmm. if we go like this. 225,000 undergrads, biggest so this it's to crazy. me is absolute pathetic. Colin, Adam, I'm let, sure let, you disagree. Let me, give just, us give your you, let me just give you a different perspective. Give it I to think us. I think you are right that that they shouldn't just do away with this. But at the same time, the ACT or the SAT is not an indicator indicator that you're going to be successful. I know a lot of people that crush their Never SATs. No, no, I know. Yeah. It's a different perspective. Yeah. That crush their SAT, they got a 1400 or they got a 32 whatever the numbers are. And they can't interact with other human beings, and they can't sell stuff, and they don't have a business acumen, or they don't have Neither to get along. Neither can Mark Zuckerberg. They can't, they can't network. There's different strokes for different folks is ultimately the point. But I don't think it's fair to unidentify very brilliant people that would get a $1,600, $1,600 I, yeah, on the SAT. So we're saying the same thing. We're yeah, not saying just, anything— it, Ultimately, it comes down to having an overall resume that's impressive. There's like got to be a standardized guidelines. You make it, you make it. You don't, you don't. It's all good. Yeah, Go to a different it's all, place. It's all gray without something that's a little bit black and white yeah. with test scores. So seriously, you'll never know what they're using as criteria to let people in. And if you get rejected, they'll never give you an answer. Yeah, it's like saying, well, you know, moving forward, military shouldn't look at weight to get into the military. They shouldn't look at being flat-footed. They shouldn't look at you not having 20-20 vision. They shouldn't look at any of that stuff. No, you should. You should. That's part of going into the military. No, no, but you're discriminating against heavy people. You should. There are some things. Like yeah. when, the, when, the, when in, in sports team, when Antoine Walker didn't get his bonus because he put on 80 pounds and the Celtics discriminated against him for his weight, yeah. you're supposed to do that. What am I supposed to do? How are you going to run and last and play 35 minutes and I'm paying you 15 million a year, 12 million a year? I met Antoine Walker, nice guy. We sat down, had a cigar to get a phenomenal conversation. He now represents Morgan Stanley and is trying to help a lot of athletes not lose a lot of his money. I think he made $130 million in his career. Lost doesn't have a penny of it. Yeah. Doesn't have any, it yeah, doesn't have any of it. So, yeah. so I think there are some areas. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am not qualified to do a lot of things, and they should discriminate against me. I am not qualified to do a lot of jobs, and I'm glad they did that against me. Not discriminate against my ethnicity because I'm Iranian or because I'm a Syrian or Armenian or because I'm not born in the States and any of that stuff. There are some jobs that I simply don't qualify for, and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I, th- these guys are dropping their standards long term. I- I've never been a fan of low standards, but uh, that's the direction they're going. Okay. 
Let's go to the next story. I think we kind of have to cover Israel-Palestine because we got a lot of different comments. And uh, we have to address this because it's been going even more. And look, here's the reality of it. No matter what position you take with this, we've gotten so much. I can't believe you said this. I can't believe this is what you supported. Look, we're talking about it again. A lot of people avoid topics like this. We're talking about it. If you don't like us talking about it, just don't watch this part. It's totally fine with us. But we're talking about it. We're sharing with you our opinions. You're probably not going to like what anything someone says here. You may not like him, me, or Adam, but we're comfortable with it. Israel-Palestinian conflict marks its deadliest day as terror, scenes of terror unfold in Gaza. This is a CNN story. Israel bombed the house of Hamas, Gaza leader, and obliterated a family's home in the deadliest day of the week. Uh, long uh, conflicts uh, so far, according to the data from Palestinian Health Ministry and Gaza and Israel authorities. Israeli defense IDF said it had bombed the house of Yaha Sinwar, Hamas's leader, since 2017 on early Sunday morning. IDF spokesperson Brig- Brigadier General Hidai Zilberman told local media that Sinwar had been unhurt in the airstrike. Two Israeli strikes in Gaza killed at least 43 Palestinians, including eight children and four- 50 others. Uh, most of whom were women and children on Sunday, told Gaza and cl- the total cl- death climbed to 197, including 58 children and 34 women. Since the beginning of the Israeli airstrikes on Gaza this week, at least 1,235 Palestinians have been injured, with the number expected to rise. The health ministry said as paramedics continue to carry out search operations, 10 Israeli have been killed by rockets fired from Gaza, according to the IDF. I can go on giving you more numbers about what happened in 2014 Gaza war, which saw more than 2,200 Gazans killed during the fighting, approximately half of them civilians, including more than 550 children, according to the United Nations report. Look, when you, anytime you read these articles and you see children, breaks your heart. Anytime. When I was in Iran and we saw the war happening and you, you hear stories that such and such friend of yours that you had is no longer with you because a bomb was drawn by Iraq on their home. I mean, what are you talking about? It's, it's ridiculous when you're in it. Of course it's heart-wrenching while this, while this is taking place. But why is it really going on, and why is it not stopping? I think that's the okay. question I would want to address today. I got Go a couple answers for that. And I think from the research I've done is the right now that you've got two leaders that have given up on the idea of lasting peace. So you've got Netanyahu and you've got the leader of Hamas or you know, Palestine. That, that The only thing they can go for now is total victory. Because they've given up on the idea that there can be peace. So that's why it's going on. And you know what? You have to just look at it this way. I don't trust Hamas when they're talking about some of the numbers and everything like this. Because their history is they put civilians where the bombs are, where the missiles are, where the things that Israel is attacking. They load it up with civilians and children. They don't care. And the other thing, too, is Israel is warning them oftentimes when the bombs are coming to high target areas, they're giving them the opportunity to clear out a little bit. So um, that's part of the reason there's so many children that are dying, so many civilians that are dying is because that's part of their strategy to put civilians there where they know the airstrikes are coming. So um, it's unfortunate. It's the worst fighting since 2014. There's more airstrikes this morning that have been coming in. You know, so the thing has not leveled off at all. And it's it's dangerous. And I think the United States has to play a pretty key role in where this, you know, eventually goes and how it can simmer down. So I uh, this past weekend, I um, went to my friend's house, my friend Orr, who lives here in the, in Delray. Orrin? Orr. O-R. Got it. Uh, like uh, gold. And uh, his parents were in town from Israel. They live just outside of Tel Aviv. And I haven't seen his parents since, ironically, 2014, when I was in Israel for Orr's wedding. 
So I'm talking to the parents. I was with my mom. We were all catching up. It was a family barbecue. It was his daughter's fourth birthday. We had a nice time. And the father, his name is Eric. I said, dude, what is going on here? Like, let me hear it from your perspective. You got out. How did you even get out? Like, meaning, he goes, we flew out the day the fighting started, ironically enough. So he's been out, been watching all this. And I said, break this down for me of what's going on. And here's a couple of things that we discussed. So number one, I think it's important to understand this is not a religious war. This isn't like, you're Jewish, I'll kill you. You're Arabic, you're Muslim, I'll kill you. This is a pure land situation. And people say, well, this fighting goes back thousands and thousands of years. What's well, actually not true. It actually just goes back a couple hundred years because this it happened with the Ottoman Empire in the uh, 18, 19, 18th, 19th century, right before World War One, And then the British Empire, they came in and they were divvying up the land and they promised this and half they promised Jewish, that. Half Jewish, half Saudi Arabia. Half this, so half Muslim, that. Christian, Muslim, uh, Jewish. So ultimately what happened was... In 1947, Israel became a state yep. in 1948. They gave them their land, and there was a full, there was a, was a full-on war. And Israel, luckily for them, they won the war in 1948. They won the Six-Day War in 1967. They won the other war. Like, what happens in war? You, you fucking take, you won the war. You take the land. And essentially what has happened is every so often there's been deals that they've tried to cut. And Israel has given, there's been, I actually saw this on Prager University, pretty trusted source, I would say. They did a expose on this. They said Israel has tried to make peace and compromise, and they've given them 95% of the land. And every time without fail, uh, the PLO, whether under Yasser Arafat or the Hamas, has rejected the deal. So ultimately, there's a couple different angles here. In Israel, there's definitely two factions. There's the Bibi Netanyahu, who's basically fighting for his political life, and is an instigator of sorts. And then there's more the liberal side of Israel that they would like to coexist. But then there's parts of Hamas or, or uh, Palestine where they genuinely just want to have a nice life to raise their kids and live in peace. And they have a major bone to pick with Israel that they're not allowing them to live their best life. And then there's the people who are, all they see is red. And Israel doesn't have a right to exist. And uh, they, they, it's something called the three no's. No, they don't have a right to exist. No, they don't have a right to the land. No, they don't have the uh, the right to live in peace. And That's if Hamas, with, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. With that mentality, how are you supposed to coexist with someone that doesn't have uh, believe in your right to exist, doesn't believe that it's your land? Israel's not going anywhere. They've won every single war. They've given up land. They've given up the Golan Heights. They've given up the Sinai Peninsula. They've given up land to, uh, on the Jordan side of the river. And there's not... There's no agreement that some Palestinians will ever agree to unless Israel leaves the land, and which they're not going to do. So thank God that at least Israel has this Iron Dome situation going on. Because can you imagine if someone's firing 5,000 rockets and they all hit civilians? So because they have this amazing technology and they're basically shooting down 90, 95% of missiles, which means dozens of missiles still land on innocent people, um, could you imagine what would be happening in Israel if those missiles actually did well, land? Well, they would have ended the war a lot quicker, probably. But I will say, happened. I will say one thing, and it sounds like I'm defending Israel, and obviously I'm a little biased here, being Jewish and have family in Israel. I will say that uh, on one of the holiest days of Ramadan, um, there's the there's the um, Dome of the Rock. Um, Bibi Netanyahu set troops in and dismantled. Muslims praying near the Dome of the Rock in East Jerusalem, 
on Ramadan, one of the holy, like, so even him, my my friend's dad, who was like, this is unacceptable. You, this is ridiculous. You can't do this. This is holiest day of year for the Muslims. This is bullshit. So you're talking about an Israeli who's yeah. basically saying, Bibi Netanyahu, what the hell are you thinking? So it, it's it's such a gray area. There's no black and white here. But the, the last thing that I'll say is this, and I'll turn it over to you, PBD. He did say the one difference between Israelis and a certain portion of uh, Hamas, Palestinians, what do you call it, is the respect for life. There's no Israeli suicide bombers. There are a lot of people in that world that basically believe in giving up their life and don't have a respect for life and are willing to blow themselves up. And what type of person is willing to do that? Ask yourself that question. Who's willing to just blow themselves up for a cause? And it's not religious. It's socioeconomic. It's land. It's political. Uh, and that was his biggest takeaway, even though he was defending. By the way, very good commentary, Adam. That was very helpful. And the way you did it, uh, I appreciate that, for the way you explained uh, both sides. I will say I'll take a completely different angle on this. Here's my angle on this. Just on August 31st, August 30th, a guy you guys may know, his name is Jared Kushner, took a flight from Israel to UAE, crossing Palestinian, you know, and Trump had uh, folks from Palestine and, you know, Netanyahu there renegotiating, working together. What happened? That was just eight months ago, nine months ago, August 31st. And everybody's like, this is ridiculous. 25 years. Can't believe Trump, this temperamental guy, was able to unify everybody. By the way, again, that's August 31st of mm -hmm. 2020. Fast forward where we are today. The the two going back and forth, obviously there's deep-rooted issues. You just kind of told the history of where it's at and what Netanyahu did and what others did. Here's my biggest concern. So Biden calls Netanyahu and Biden calls the leader of Palestine, Hamas. He has the conversation with them, right? Phone call with them. When a phone call is being made by the most important man in the world who is the president of the United States, and they blow you off, guess what that means? You have no influence. You're a nobody. Who, who blew off? Biden from? calls Netanyahu and Palestine saying, stop it. Stop doing what you're doing. Neither one of them listened to him. What does that tell you? There is no influence. What do you think the phone call sounded like? I think it's, I understand what you guys are going through. I think it's good. You guys yeah. need to stop it. This is not good. People are dying. Children are dying. They're like, uh, okay, bye. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Fast forward, think about the phone call of the guy that was the most hated man in the world just about a year ago. Let's say if that was happening today, Trump made the phone call. What is Trump going to say? I just want to let you know. If I hear one more rocket going, I swear to God, you're going to get 25% sanction put on you for six months. Do it. I dare you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Do it. I dare you. Okay, 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 Mr. President, we don't want to go to that situation. And we're not saying this to you. We're just mm -hmm. saying, no, no, do it again. Go ahead and do it again. That is the kind of stuff in moments like this where you realize and you miss a guy who actually had a backbone and people feared him who actually had the negotiation ability to challenge it. God knows there was a lot of other things that he was doing that was pissing a lot of people off and creating a lot of unnecessary, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, tension that was not, not needed, right? Yeah. But fast forward, if Trump made that phone call today, how would have happened? Here's the other question I got for you. Here's the other question I got for you. How instrumental was Jared Kushner in this entire deal? How? Very much so. By the way, Kushner is not a Republican. People think he's a Republican. He's not a Republican. He's an independent at best, is what Kushner is. He's probably a Democrat. Well, his brother and his wife are certainly a Democrat. The, what I'm saying Josh is he's Kushner. not a Republican. Yeah. He is not a Republican. He's just following Trump. He's a, no, he's a, he's a guy that gets things done. 
That's Kushner. Goes from real estate to all of a sudden negotiating a deal between Israel and Palestine. Like, who are you? Like, you, you think it's just a real estate transaction? The guy, and he doesn't even mm-hmm. want the recognition, yeah. right? So here's my question for you. Follow up to what you just said. Hey, Mr. Biden, President Biden, this matters to you a lot. Phenomenal. Thank you for being such a man that cares about what's going on in Palestine and uh, and Israel. If it matters so much to you, have you made the phone call to a guy named Donald and a man named Jared who actually were able to negotiate a peace? Mm-hmm. Have you, if you care about all these people that are getting killed and are being bombed, have you made that phone call to say, "Hey, Donald, what should we do here? Hey, Jared, <laughs> what did you do here? This is not about ego here. This is if people's lives really matter. Guess who you call? You call your ex." You call the husband of your wife that you were with, even though you can't stand this guy, say, listen, my kids are living with your kids. We got a problem going on. Listen, you and I don't like each other. I fully get it. But in this situation, we both like our kids. Yes Mm -hmm. or no? Perfect. What do we need to do in this situation here? Because one of your kids got caught smoking weed, and my kid's thinking about doing the same thing as well. They were only 13, 14 years old. You and I need to have a sit down together. This is when you realize who's a true diplomat. This is when you realize who's a true negotiator. This is when you realize who's a real ambassador. This is when you realize who's a true statement that cares about the lives of people. Mm -hmm. And if you truly do, it's not a phone call to Netanyahu and it's not a phone call to them. It's a phone call to a guy named Donald Trump. It's a phone call to a guy named uh, uh, Jared Kushner. FYI, I want you to visualize this. Who wins in this situation? Let me paint a picture and I got to go because Caroline's here telling me I got to go. I want to paint a picture to you. Next week... Today's what? Today's Thursday? What is today? Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. <laughs> this week, what day is it? you see on Friday or th- uh, Thursday, Biden on stage with Kushner and Trump and Kamala. Wow. Uh, hear me out. On stage. They get up and they say, following statement, folks, we may disagree on God knows how many different things. But if there's one thing we agree on is we don't like to see the violence that's taking place in Israel and Palestine right now. President Trump and President Biden and I, we're on the same page to have to stop this. If you're watching this right now, Netanyahu in Palestine, this needs to stop or else dot, 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 dot. We're asking for the support because this matters that much. Mm -hmm. If that took place this week, who wins? You're smiling because you're actually seeing it. If that took place this week. The world would win. The world wins, but on a serious note, who actually wins? Biden would. Biden wins, not Trump. Yes. If Biden makes that call, Biden wins and the world's going to say, yeah. He would he, look like a true diplomat. He, but do you think it'll happen? No, no and that's not, why I'm that's smiling because the place we're at so in this country. So all of this stuff conical. that's going on in Israel idea. and Palestine, all of this stuff that's going on in yeah. Israel and Palestine could be solved if the leaders truly cared about this. Make the damn phone call to the guys that were able to broker this deal because they get the credit for this. Let me thing say here. one thing just to yeah. wrap this up, and then we gotta go. So I asked my friend's dad uh, about his take, and I said, "Give me uh, the perspective on Trump and Israel." He goes, "Oh no, make no doubt." Trump was very good for Israel, very good, but he was bad for the rest of the world. This is what he's saying. And he goes, but I'll tell you one more thing. The Arabs, they only respond to strength. They only respond to strength. There you go. They fear Trump. They do not fear Biden. Of course. So this goes back to initial, another point that you made. If you're on the Democrat, you just kind of check all the Democrat box. If you're a Republican, you, you check all the Republican boxes. There's something amazing just being independent and a free thinker and saying, you know what? Trump actually did a good job on Israel, so I do. Yeah, uh, I, I, would, I would applaud. Dude, are you kidding yeah, me? Like this is exactly what we need yeah. today. Yeah. I, hey, bottom line for me. Hey, let's have this podcast solve world peace. We can do it. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was common by, sense. By, by the way, We're out. if somebody's watching this, we're gonna put Kai. Are we gonna cut this last part off with short clip for Palestine? If you agree with this, mm-hmm. okay. If you agree with this. I want you to share this on Twitter. Maybe create a short clip that's two minutes and 20 seconds. 
I want you to, if I post it on Twitter, I want you to retweet it, send it to anybody and everybody. Believe it or not, people at the White House are paying close attention. I guarantee you someone's going to see this and say, what do you think about this? If it really matters, let's do something about it. Anyways, we got to go. Had a really good podcast. Today's podcast is actually one of my favorite ones we've done a long time. Had a really good time about this. A lot of good topics. Energy was high. Gang, if you enjoyed it, press the subscribe button, and we will do this again Thursday, Thursday. I believe, with Tom Ellsworth. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.